Blog Talk Radio. And now, live from the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. It is time for our football party. Welcome in live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. You are listening live here on a Saturday night, November the 9th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. NFL Week 9 in the books from last week, and we're getting ready for Week 10. The big story is the undefeated teams. Last week we had two. Now we only have one because of the festivities on Sunday night where the Ravens knock off the Patriots last Sunday night. And now coming up, the Monday night spotlight for Week 10 with the last remaining undefeated team, the 49ers, who will host the Seattle Seahawks. And we will have all of our thoughts and opinions on that coming up later on. But first, we go back and look at Week 9. As far as our picks go, we were uh, having a split day in the afternoon last Sunday, it came down to Sunday night, and I had Baltimore and Jay had New England. So uh, that was the big spotlight game. That's what everyone was talking about the next day. Uh, Jason, what did you think? It was uh, it was quite the uh, quite the appearance by the Ravens. Uh, they they came out and I think uh, established exactly who they are and what they did pretty much from the open, and, and the Patriots uh, could not answer. I've never been so happy to lose a pick. You know, that those are the ones I don't mind losing. Um, I, I took New England on that one just more because that, that this is just this is what they do, right? They, they they show up and they and they just handle teams. But you know, we did talk about it in the run up to making that pick that everybody was trying to peg Cleveland as the team that was supposed to be the toughest team since that the Patriots played all year. And there was this there was this running kind of thing going all season long, where it was like every week the Patriots played somebody. Everyone would try to sell you on the fact that, no, 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 this is the toughest team that the Patriots have played all year. Because when you really look at it back now that they got blown out here by Baltimore, the Patriots really hadn't played anybody. Nope. And, you know, so now that they've actually had to play somebody and, and they got throttled, uh, made, made, made me wonder if that uh, Tom Brady clip you have at the beginning of the show with him yelling, let's go, was, was I think that might have been him getting his team on the bus after the game. Let's go. Let's pack it up. We can't yeah. hang. Let's go. They, Let's get out of here. They couldn't Let's have go. been happier. They could not have been happier uh, to get out of Baltimore. You know, and Baltimore has been a bit inconsistent this year. But in the in you know, give them credit. Well coached, a lot of talent, big spot. Lamar Jackson did Lamar Jackson did Lamar Jackson things, and they they have embraced. They have completely embraced the fact. Boy, howdy. They have completely embraced the fact that. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback and this is what they're going to do. And they have built that entire team and that entire offense in support of that. I, I admire that, you know, yeah, that they haven't tried are, right? to, 
that they haven't tried to change him into a, a pocket quarterback or mold him into someone else's offense. You know, and we saw that last year, once they dropped Joe Flacco, they ran with the kid and he got them all the way into the playoffs, a deep, you know, nice, nice playoff run. Um, and, you know, yeah, full, full credit to those guys. I remember somebody on this show saying Lamar Jackson would be the best quarterback to come out of that draft. And he keeps reminding us every week that he said that. So oh, yeah. Good call oh, out yeah. Of <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. you pat yourself on the back all the time, so I got I got to get one in. Like my microphone back, it was such a, it, you a know. impressive call. Uh, yeah, they uh, you you said it. What the Ravens have done is uh, say they they say who they are. They say this is who Lamar Jackson is, and we're gonna t- uh, tailor the team uh, to his talents. We're gonna tailor the the weaponry, the the play calling, the scheme, uh, the strategy, everything to Lamar Jackson. And we're gonna just we're not gonna try to tamp down what he what makes him special and what makes him different, which is that game changing speed. Uh, we're gonna incorporate that that Howard Servant arm that he has, uh, and, and we're gonna make it just enough to where you have to respect that, uh, while while at the same time running a lot of uh, read option and a lot of play action and a lot of things that uh, get you set up and scared that he's about to run the ball and when he does, oh God, what what are we gonna do? Um, and a lot of times he does run it, but a lot of times it's just uh, a window dressing and he winds up dropping back and, and picking out uh, one of his two reads or so and, and making the, the throw. That's definitely a part of the scheme too, is they don't make anything too complicated. Uh, they don't give him uh, too many options out there that, you know, it's pretty much, you know, Mark Edwards, are you open? No. Uh, the, Nick, uh, Nick Boyle, the other Titan, are you up on that? Uh, uh, okay. Well, take off and run. <laughs> you know, if, if those first two options aren't there, then go ahead and, and do what you do. Uh, and it's absolutely working. No one can really uh, stop it right now. Uh, and the Patriots certainly couldn't stop it. That was uh, a very fun win, not just beating you, of course, but uh, shutting up all the people who were declaring the Patriots defense so great. Had you noticed the, uh, the media attention now towards Belichick's kid, who's apparently quote unquote, running the defense, all this success of, of the defense, beating up all these teams that were complete trash, uh, building up this record, building up these, these top rankings on defense. And obviously Belichick thought it was okay to let his kid now get a little shine and, and let it leak that, Hey, maybe it's actually his son. That's sort of the, the, the defensive play caller and the de facto defensive coordinator. Now, uh, you know, obviously, feeling good about what was going on early in the season. And now starting with this game, and I thought starting with the Browns last week, but obviously I was wrong about that, but certainly starting with this Ravens game, now you get to see the Patriots defense and what they're really all about. And we'll see if they want to keep giving uh, Belichick's kid credit for whatever the Patriots were doing. Yeah. It's been quiet about that this week. I haven't seen much about him. No. Uh, the, the game was, was uh, out of, almost out of hand, out of control. You'd never want to stay out of hand when it's uh, 17 to nothing and, and Tom Brady's on the other side because he just seems to have that knack. And, and I was afraid, you know, the reason you picked him is because of the history of the Patriots just kind of finding a way. Uh, but And, yeah, you started to get a sense of that in the, yeah. you know, once they got down, they they did start to come back. Um, 
but you could see with Baltimore's defense was that they they weren't going to let New England and New England's offense is not built for chunk plays anymore. And if you're playing against a pretty staunch defense, uh, you can see that if the Patriots run into a really tough defensive unit, uh, what Buffalo gave them fits, right? Um, that was a low scoring game. This game, the Baltimore, so elite defenses seem to be able to push around the Patriots or you make the Patriots have to go on these brutally long 14 play drives. And when you make teams have to do that, you have to make them be perfect. And it wasn't easy. And the Patriots did that a few times and they did it enough to make the game look close. And then Baltimore just pulled away. Yeah, I know where I definitely, I know where I definitely got scared was uh, at uh, 17 to seven. I believe the Patriots, I got that first touchdown um, and, and Baltimore gets the ball and Mark Ingram just an innocuous little run gets stripped down there uh, in Baltimore territory and the, the Patriots get the ball pretty much right there near the goal line. And it's like, Oh, come on. This is, this is how you outgain a team by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards and find a way to lose the game anyway. Uh, So I was definitely afraid of that, but credit to the Ravens defense who uh, did not allow New New England to go into the end zone on that particular drive, held them to a field goal. And I think that sort of set the tone like, okay, we made a mistake, but we're not going to completely crumble and and completely go away. We're still strong. We're still good. And and they wind up uh, battling back. Uh, But yeah, the Ravens had, about as good a start to the game as you could hope. They that first drive was a, a message sender because New England held up. Uh, that defense did hold up at the end uh, on third down, and we're going to force a field goal attempt. And usually, it's it's always the Patriots finding a way to make the other team make a mistake and, and keep their drive alive. And this time, it was the Ravens who do the hard count and get the Patriots to jump on the field goal attempt to give Baltimore first and goal. And the very next play, Lamar Jackson has a read option and just walks into the end zone because there's nobody over there. And that was just perfect because that's taking advantage of the opponent's boo-boo, which is exactly what Brady has been doing for all these many years. And that was just, to me, a perfect uh, uh, placement setter right there. Like, okay, the, the script looks like it's really flipped tonight, dude. The crowd was hot. Uh, the, the the script got totally turned around uh, and the Ravens wind up going uh, all the way in the second half and, and really putting it away. So uh, it's just one game, of course, but there was a, there was a message being sent there that, that Patriots ain't no record that they walked in with, you know, hold on, hold on, hold the phone. Not so fast, my friend. It's, uh, it's not what everyone thinks it is. And I'm, this is what I've been screaming. This is what I've been yelling. The Patriots are I, basically I've been doing the paper champions thing. They're just paper champions. They're not nearly as good as their record indicates. Um, and I was hoping the Browns would show that last week did not happen, did not come close to happen, but the Ravens do show it this week. So uh, great on the Ravens. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was scared that they were going to kind of twist that away for a second there, but, but they, they did hold on and put it away. Right. Yeah, it was a little I, I had a little hope for life for my pick, uh, which would have pulled me even for the week, um, you know, in which we normally kind of expect that, you know, you had gotten the one up on me on Thursday night and we disagreed five the rest of the way and we were two and two. So we were split. So if I could have pulled off that win. But again, I, I, I don't mind losing that one. Uh, not one bit, because. 
Nobody was happier than me to see not just that the Patriots lost, but the way they lost, the manner um, that they just sort of got manhandled and pushed around. And you can see that that off that offense, yeah, they're going to feast on lesser teams with that timing and that finesse. They have no, they have no deep game. Tom Tom Brady can't throw the deep ball, and if the, if these defensive backs don't just mug the receiver and and get PIs, they they have that's their deep game now. Yep. And the running game has been a bit suspect. So I, I fear for the Patriots long term, but they play a team that's, you know, mediocre or worse or league average or worse and, and, and they'll they'll look great because, you know, they'll 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 just win on, on muscle memory and you know, because they just can intimidate the other team and, and, and they'll run these weird little, you know, Julian Edelman routes and They'll, they'll come at you in so many different ways, and they, they've definitely been feasting on some really bad offenses to pad these defensive stats, and, and Baltimore is unique. Uh, there is no other team like Baltimore right now that is so sold out for their running quarterback, and they're okay with it. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's, he's not Russell Wilson. No, he's not. There's no quarter. That's a unique team. There's that's a unique quarterback. Right. There's no I mean, quarterback like Lamar like Jackson right now. I mean, these are guys who can move. You know, these are and guys nobody who moves are like Lamar. These are guys who right, but these are guys who can run. But they have the they have the ultimate goal of of, of throwing a bomb. I mean, their goal isn't to run. <laughs> you know, Russell yeah. Wilson runs but it's not with the intent to get, you know, if there's 20 yards of open field in front of him, he's going to take it. But a lot of his scrambling around and, and, and extending plays is so that he can launch a 40 yard bomb. Lamar Jackson doesn't care. Once, once the ball's tucked away, he, he's gone. And it's, it's very, very reminiscent, very reminiscent of, of what Kaepernick and RG three did the year before the league figured him out. And and so this is you know so we're we're not that deep yet into this run with Lamar Jackson, but eventually teams are going to just they're going to sell out to stop his running, and they will eventually force him to beat them through the air, and we'll see if he can make that adjustment. Seattle, uh, San Diego or L.A. or the, the Clipper Chargers, the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles, I believe I called them on Twitter <laughs> when I made my pick the other night. I like that. That sticks. <laughs> um, they they did that. they effectively did that they turned Lamar Jackson into a thrower and for three and a half quarters of that game that was some of the worst quarterbacking you've ever seen. Yeah, and good luck to any other team trying to do that. It's easier said than done, and the Chargers pulled it off for one night. That uh, that might go down as one of those one game flukes. That might be something where he he didn't have the experience to handle what he was dealing with and he's just maybe growing up already and gotten better just in that short amount of time uh but yeah that for that one night they they held him down big time uh, uh the the sequence in the uh third quarter uh bleeding into the fourth uh that really impressed me and showed me uh, what the ravens were all about is when new england comes back to make it 24 to 20 and lamar jackson now okay i know i'm in a fight I know this isn't just going to be a, a walk away. How, you know, how am I going to respond uh, to this challenge to this? Now that it's a one possession game. Now it, it's on me. Tom did his thing. He's the greatest of all time, whatever. And now, now it's my turn. What am, what am I going to do? Uh, he had a check down where he, he uh, threw it a little long and 
New England then comes after him on a third down blitz. And it's like, okay, this is the moment. This is where uh, if he can figure this out, then he might have a chance. And if not, then New England's probably going to take it all the way. Um, and he lost a, a perfect throw to Mark Andrews, which is something he tends to do on third down. So you'd think teams would, might want to adjust to that at some point. Um, he has a check down to a fullback, Patrick Ricard, who also happens to be a defensive tackle. Uh, so that's one of those things where the Ravens are just kind of doing, you know, unique things to them. And John Harbaugh uh, cementing his uh, sort of legacy as a, as a coach who will just do whatever he, he needs to do, whatever the team needs uh, to, to get a win. Um, and then he, he bought time with some uh, electric elusivity, I call it, Lamar. It's, it's not just the running. It's the uh, avoiding of any kind of solid hit, not just – in the run, but also back there in the pocket. You can't square the guy up. That's the problem with, with him as, as opposed to all these other running quarterbacks is for whatever reason, maybe it's just his youth right now that he's able to do this, but he avoids any solid hit. You'd never see him get jacked up out there. And it it's, it's, seems to all be about him. It's all about he does what he needs to do to avoid the big hit. He's, he's just that elusive right now. Um, he, he kept in on a third and seven. And, and New England was able to get him down and force a fourth and four, and they go for it. And Lamar rolled out and hit Willie Sneed and kept the drive alive. He, he was poised. He didn't panic. Uh, he hit Hollywood Brown crossing over the middle, who lost Stephon Gilmore in coverage. And, and, they, and they get all the way into the red zone, and Lamar has a masterful scramble. Uh, he looked trapped, but he got out of it because he just that elusive. And then at the five-yard line, play actions, bringing Nick Boyle free for, for a touchdown throw. And there you go, Baltimore back in front by two possessions. And I really think that was the, uh, that was the key of the game right there, was that Baltimore was down, you know, back to only a one-possession lead, and, and really everything was on New England's side. And, and Baltimore just turned that momentum around and took that double-possession lead right back. So uh, good on them, great poise, great job, uh, you know, just a great team effort all around. That was a fun game to watch Sunday night for everyone well, except Patri- except Patriots and, fans. And you know, and and, and, and uh, we talked about it a lot last year, and it probably won't get talked about much this year because it's it's not a name that you hear a lot. But how underappreciated is uh, is John Harbaugh? Yeah, a lot of people don't put him up there with all the uh, the Belichick and Andy Reid and all Peyton those and Andy Reid and all these guys. And here and here's John Harbaugh, Super Bowl winning coach, um, and and doing it a lot of different ways. It's very reminiscent, um, if you can kind of recall the 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 almost like identity change that Brian Billick had to make. Ironically, the same team. Mm. of being this offensive guru, but he's handed an all-time defense. Yeah, when you, you get know, handed Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and, you, you figure out a way to do that. And, but you saw a coach who, who coached against his tendencies because of how great that defense was. And, you know, and, and, I, you know, and John Harbaugh is probably not coaching towards any tendency that he has. But I think, you know, he's smart enough to realize he's got what he's got. You know, we saw Doug Peterson do this with the Super Bowl, you know. It, you know, just you, you – Sean Payton has done it this year, and we've already highlighted him as what we think has been coach of the year um, effort so far with changing that whole team week to week with Teddy Bridgewater. And, uh, 
you know, we, we always we always want to throw it all on Belichick, but John Harbaugh to get what they're getting out of that team, it, he's got to be in the discussion. But I don't think he will be, and that's what I that's why today he's underappreciated. Yeah, he, he gets together. You got to give the uh, offensive staff credit as well. The OC Greg Roman. You got to uh, you, you put your your minds together, and you, and all these coaches, all thirty two of them, are sitting there trying to scheme up and figure out a way to reinvent the wheel, but. Certain guys, man, they just make that adjustment and, and sort of a light switch goes on and says, okay, here's what we're going to do, and no one's going to see this coming, but we're going to do it, um, and it's going to work because we're going to practice it and, and get it right, and no one's going to be able to prepare and, and be ready for it. And, uh, yeah, John Harbaugh is one of those guys that sort of unsung, but we'll sing his praises here. He he always seems to get it done, so we're, we're big fans. Yeah. So, okay, well, we got 20 minutes on that game. Um, yeah, no, don't want to jump. It's what everyone talk was about a different. About. Talk about a different thing, and it's not something that we need to dwell on for very long. But I would just like to point out something, and this was something that happened in one of the early games or early early games was four weeks ago. We've all we were all told about how a a, a certain player in this league was completely expendable because of the performance that a, you know that 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 a team was getting. Uh, unexpectedly out of the quarterback position. Uh, I have never seen a team so happy and quick to activate Nick Foles off the injured reserve as the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars were after that uh, Minshew mania turned it. I don't know what that was, but it was the negative flip side of what an absolutely horrid performance. And that's what you go out with. You go into the bye week now and you give Nick, Nick Foles, Oh, he's a starter. <laughs> no questions. I mean, a month ago, people were talking about Nick Foles being traded or expendable or cut, like cap casualty this next off season. And I, at, at four weeks later, nope, he's our starter. He's our guy. Minshew Mania is over. This is like this is the Lynn sanity of the NFL. Ooh. I, you know, I bet you weren't. I just didn't think you were going to get Minshew Mania and Lynn Sanity on the same day. No, I didn't. But that's a great comp. And, and the ooh is it reminds me every time I hear Lynn Sanity, the first thing I think of is the ticket prices for uh, for Knicks games in that two or three week stretch that Lynn Sanity was going crazy. Man, they were getting like tens of thousands of dollars on StubHub for Lynn Sanity games because he was just the next big thing. And he was that hot. And three weeks later, he was just a guy. And now he's not even in the league anymore. So it, it can get hot, but it can burn out really quick. And that appears to be what happened with, with old, old Gardner Minshew, the second. Uh, yeah. That was one of those, unfortunately for uh, both of us, cause we, we had Jacksonville, that was one yeah. of those uh, bizarre England games that we were kind of talking about, and that's uh, that's yeah. how the England series goes out this year is with the Jags just laying a complete egg in the middle of the field and, and losing by 23 points to the Texans. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans wrangle control of the division back from the Colts um, in my most stunning lock of the week, most solid. You should have Everyone should have taken that to the bank. Lock of the week against Pittsburgh, uh, with Pittsburgh uh, thankfully getting an anabinitary shank. We had a we had a uh, Finkel Einhorn moment at the end of that game. 
getting the uh, the old laces out. Way out. <laughs> Staring right at them out. Oh, man. That was... Yeah, that thing corkscrewed. That looked like the Houston Texans that year they were tanking. It was that bad, except it was the opposite <laughs> direction. So I needed that to get my lock of the week. But, hey, I had it all along. Pittsburgh. Everyone should have been running to Vegas with that one. Steelers favored by one, and they, thanks to that shank miss uh, by Vinatieri, win by two. Just the, the biggest stone cold lock you could ever come across. Uh, you know, Vinatieri's having the, the worst part about that is Vinatieri's already having an awful season, and it looked like he was about to announce his retirement a few weeks ago, but he decided to come back for more. So he doesn't need any help in sucking, but Rigoberto Sanchez. Uh, put the laces all the way in for, for Vinatieri, and that thing goes way wide left, just like the, uh, what was his name, Chris Brown with a K, the, 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 that kick that we talk about for the Texans. Oh, yeah. Uh, in that season That's that one of the thinking. most infamous field goals. I'm surprised. I mean, the thing, uh, we, we, how often do we talk about that on the show where it looks like the ball literally halfway through midair hit a wall? <laughs> turned on that left signal and, and just, just turned right and almost ended up in the stands. Vinatieri, that was that was – that was a shank um, right up almost on that same level, but I don't believe that one was intentional. Not the one, <laughs> allegedly. I mean, it was – the laces are all the way in. It's not just oh. a little in. It's, a, it's like he was trying to set it up like that. Like, I, I don't want to yeah. say anything, but like like he was on the take maybe? Like there was some money out of the, the back. <laughs> did wait, the Hebner twins some, make an appearance? There's some hundies sticking out of his back pocket or I'm, something. Do we I'm need not to, saying. Like, I'm just, uh, you know. <laughs> I just, I don't know if Earl or Dave Hebner were seen in uh, Indi- uh, Indianapolis or, uh, yep. uh, or in, actually that game was in Pittsburgh. Were any of them the seen in the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh area? Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, the Colts record minus T Y Hilton continues to be just absolutely oh. and utterly atrocious. But they could have made that uh, should, a W. They should, they should have kicked a field goal and walked off and won that thing. But yeah. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you take, it took, you take and, all and, you can and, get. and consequently, it, it took a while for your lock to come home. Uh, you had the Eagles locked up over the Bears. Now that was an eight-point decision, but that game was really close um, until late. Yeah, Chicago can call it a season now. They're they're done. We could. Uh... Uh, I, I'm oh, not are you sticking the a, fork? Are you sticking the fork in your in your bears? They're, I'm not going to play the taps for them, but yeah, they're they're pretty much finished. Um, they are currently residing in last place by virtue of the Lions' tie with the Cardinals. Yeah, the the Eagles did turn it around, sort of, but yeah, I, I expected them to dominate more, especially that uh, awful first half that Chicago had. They the fact that they came back and made it a game in the second half was actually kind of shocking to me. Um, the, like all the numbers and the and the metrics of how awful Mitch Trubisky played in that in that first half, like the yards yeah, per it was attempt all were all time bad. Um, and, and the fact that the Eagles even let them back in the game was probably something that they that they probably talked about in the locker room. Like, guys, I know we got the W, but what the fuck was that? Come on, we we should have won. We, that should have been a shutout the way the the Bears are playing in that one. Uh, but it it worked. It came through. The the Eagles did. Cover win by eight uh, as four point favorites and uh, yeah I, I I still think the Eagles are are poised for a run if they can keep it together if they can manage to to put some uh, duct tape on that secondary and, and make sure that 
comebacks by awful quarterbacks like that don't happen again, but uh, but they did put it together and get that win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of, we won't call it a comeback by an awful quarterback, but uh, let's talk about a great performance by a backup quarterback. And, ooh, boy, Matt Moore um, beating the Minnesota Vikings. Um, quite a, I, I don't quite know. Did a few we, did backup we, quarterback uh, performances yeah. this year? It's, did we disagree on that one, or was that all? Were we in unison there? I was with the with the with the Vikings. You okay. you went against. Uh, you 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 basically said, "Hey, Vikings are playing a team with a winning record. I don't care if Pat Mahomes isn't playing. I'm going with the Chiefs." Yeah. So good call out of you on that one. Yeah. No, I I, I think the the shine is off of that Minnesota defense a little bit, and. Mm. They're they're a little banged up at the corners. I think you're you're starting to see Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes are starting to get. I mean, Trey yeah. Waynes has always been a defensive holding yes. and defensive pass interference magnet. He's a good player, but you can pick on him. Um, and not only and when you pick on him and you win, it just starts to escalate. It seems like, and then he gets a little handsy. Um, and but the fact that Xavier Rhodes is getting beat now, I mean, if you if they're weak on the corners, that 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 whole that whole changes the whole identity of that defense because you can throw on these guys this year. And we saw Matt Moore, <laughs> Matt Moore again dropping dimes. Boy, he, he two so two of the prettiest balls you've seen all year have been dimes he's dropped to Tyreek Hill, and kind of kind of gets them rolling with that long touchdown to Hill, and you kind of had a feeling like oh. Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be a game. This is gonna be okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't do anything. He didn't he didn't have a Kirk Cousins moment in this game. Right. Um, it was too much Kansas City. And uh, no, I give him credit. Uh, another another team that loses their All Pro All Star All Star quarterback and uh, manages to not get embarrassed in his absence. And and here he, and here he comes back now this week. That's right. Um, that was uh, part of the story. Was the the bad Minnesota coverage that definitely played a part in Kansas City uh, getting that victory? Uh, basically, the Chiefs' play calling and execution was, was the story once again. This is uh, praise for another coach who seems to always find a way. And Andy Reid, although uh, hasn't resulted in a ring yet, but he, he just might go down as one of those coaches who never wins a title, but always contends and always has his team uh, set up for the best chances to win. And when you think about he's going to wind up coaching in the same era that Tom Brady was playing, that Peyton Manning was playing, uh, it's just, you know, the the bad luck of having to coach against those teams, having to coach uh, against those organizations, uh, you know, but he's, he's right there. He's one of the best. And once again, proved it uh, on Sunday, uh, against the Vikings. Uh, it was a real good game. They both were back and forth for a while there, and, and the Chiefs just persevere and, and have more at the end. Yeah, it wasn't Kirk Cousins making a, a boneheaded, uh, soul-crushing interception or mistake or whatever. Uh, it was just uh, the Chiefs were the better team on the, on that day. Um, I, I didn't like the the lack of balance by the, uh, by the Vikings. I don't think they uh, – I, I think there's a real fine – balance to that run attack and the pass attack and they seemed like they had it like perfect for a few weeks there where Dalvin Cook was doing this thing and dominating and and then setting up huge plays for Kirk Cousins like they as soon as the defenses started to 
suck in and try to hold down Dalvin Cook is when they would go with the play action and Kirk Cousins was was making huge plays happen. Um, and it's not happening right now. They're 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 not running enough. They're not setting up uh, Kirk Cousins enough. Uh, they're certainly struggling with Adam Thielen not being in the lineup with with balance as far as just in the passing game. Uh, you would think that they would find a way to involve Stephon Diggs more with, with 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 Thielen down like that. And in this particular game, Diggs I believe had one catch for four yards, and that's unacceptable. Uh, I don't know how you think you're going to win a game like that when your, your best receiver has one catch for four yards. So the, something off with the balance of the Vikings right now, they had it, they don't have it right now, but they can get it back. I believe. Well, it's because Stefan Diggs didn't light Kirk cousins up in the media that week. So he, he needs to do that and, and cuss him out and yes. we need another apology game. That's the only way that cousins apparently can perform. Right. You just got to light that fire under Kirk cousins. You got to call him out. Um, it, yeah. Uh, you know, Minnesota, they're still there. I mean, they're, 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 they're not terrible. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They're the, you know, they probably, they've got a, as good a shot as anybody at, and they're, they're what a game back in the division. They're only two games back. Um, they're not games, any games back, but I mean, they've got a really good shot at being the wild card. Um, uh, sorry, tired. It's been a long week, <laughs> um, and long day, but we, we talked about that a little bit before the show. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know the Vikings are—they're uh, right there. Not too worried about them. Um, I guess a, a team I want to talk about is a team that, since the last time we had a show, has won twice. And <laughs> is it possible that Murga is Murga-ing? <sighs> yeah, and boy, they're getting a lot of press for for having uh, at the moment as we speak a, a winning record. Uh, or, uh, but who would have thought that even nine games in? I understand. Five and four is surprising. I, I understand that. You know, get to me uh, at the end of the year and tell me where they finished. But yeah, five and four for now. Yeah, fine. Okay. Um, yeah, they, 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 you know, think about who they beat. Um, the, this, this Lions outfit uh, on Sunday that doesn't really do anything for me. And uh, then on, on Thursday night, sort of a weird game with with the Clippers and Philip Rivers tried to. Uh, wound up throwing them three interceptions and tried to throw them about 50. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to win a game when the other quarterback is intent on throwing the ball to your team, like over and over and over again. So I I, I hate to crap all over the Raiders like that, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still not impressed. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, th- I think if we were playing a, a solid game of real or fake here, which is what we did last, last week we did a contender. Yeah, no, the Oakland Raiders are probably fake. Um, I know it's been pointed out that the Oakland Raiders only play one winning team the rest of the season. Okay. And, you know, so they could be benefiting from a, an easy schedule. They were really bad last year. And this is what the NFL does. You tend to play, uh, unless you're the Super Bowl champ, you tend to play teams somewhat aligned to you based on the quality of your schedule. Um, little dig at the Patriots there, but I can't I can't say that I've been um, unimpressed with Oakland. They they I watched them come up here to Lambeau and hang in a game. Even though the score was a blowout, they they showed things. I mean, they clearly came in committed to a game plan and running the ball. And Josh Jacobs is turning out so far to be a really good pick. Um, we we saw they got after, uh, you know, uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, he, he doesn't move. 
he's becoming Joe Flacco-ish here in his advancing years. Uh, if you just run to a spot, you can get to him, and they were they were getting it, but he was under so much pressure, and we haven't associated Oakland with, you know, getting after the quarterback and putting a lot of pressure. And uh, I don't. Philip Rivers was under duress that whole game, so all of his throws were hurried. He couldn't step into a lot of his throws, so he had to short arm a bunch, and he he was getting picked. And you know, if if you can't extend the play or get off your spot, and you're just going to try to stand there and pick a team apart, uh, don't do it against a team that's, you know, lighting you up or, you know, in your grill the whole game long. And uh, I give Oakland credit. They, on, in a short week, they showed up. Um, they won a really close one at home against Detroit, uh, a spot that I did not like the Lions in at all. Uh, going going west, I just had those bad visions of, of Detroit outdoors. Um, even though I know they've covered up the ball field, I just had that horrible vision. Of, of these indoor teams heading out there to play in those, you know, we've seen it a lot over the years and that one, that one worked out. And then we were both on Oakland on um, Thursday night. And yeah, we, we were both on Oakland on Sunday as well. I had them over to Detroit yeah, as we well. We both had them again. So we, we've been riding the Raiders a little bit here and yeah, they're sitting at five and four and yeah, I, I as much as I wanted to say something nice, about them because <laughs> we've been really rough on them on this show for the last deservedly and so. a half and for, very, yes, very deserving, very deserving. We've been rough on Gruden. We've been rough on the whole Merga thing, uh, the whole Antonio Brown saga. And somehow, some way they've, they've got a team that we would just assume right now should be two and seven sitting at five and four. So, Hey, yeah, again, Good for them. A um, little bit of a <laughs> little bit, little bit of a lesson for uh, any gamblers out there that no matter how little you think of a team or a franchise, if there's moments in there where you can make money and, and pick them, go ahead and do it because we've done it two weeks in a row. You saw how uh, or you heard how loud I yelled "fake" about the Raiders just now. I picked them the last two weeks and they won. I'm two and zero the last two weeks picking the Oakland Raiders, no matter how fake I think they are. You can still pay attention and, and make money on teams, even if you know they're they're not very good. Our, our friend Naj in Atlanta tried to tell us how horrible the Raiders are, as bad as we think of them. I think he thinks worse, uh, because he tried to say that the quarterback was trash and everybody was trash and do not pick the Oakland Raiders over Detroit. He probably felt the same way about them against the Clippers on Thursday night, and they won both games. Uh, there's opportunities there. You just have to pay attention. Uh, I don't want to crap on Naj completely because he also told us that the Texans are going to whoop up on the Jags over in London. Yeah. And he had that one completely nailed. So well, we didn't. Naj we was, didn't expect the. We didn't expect the Gardner Minshew Chernobyl meltdown. <laughs> right. Well, he did, and and I don't know if they'll be able. To, they, they might not be able to play games anymore in that stadium in London because it's radioactive now from the yeah, Gardner, Gardner Minshew meltdown on the field in London. I mean, it was, was one of those. There was a stretch was, there at the end yeah. where he had picks on back-to-back throws and then a pick like another couple of throws. Like he had three picks, I think, in the fourth quarter. It was just ugly. And it was what Phillip Rivers was trying to do on Thursday. I guess Phillip watched <laughs> that London game. Phillip Rivers was, was, was early. <laughs> he was doing them all over the place. He was doing them early, late. All throughout the game, he was trying desperately to give the ball to the Raiders. He had, I believe, at least two interceptions 
overturned on penalty by the uh, whether well, Raiders were offside or something like that, or else it would have been a lot more. Uh, and he had several other interceptions right in their hands where they just dropped them. Uh, and that was uh, that was almost Dalton esque what Philip Rivers did on Thursday night. He was atrocious. And I understand the offensive line was bad and, and was letting uh, guys get in there and, and hit him and knock him around. Uh, maybe he was Darnold as. Maybe I should say that he looked like he was seeing ghosts out there. I don't know. He was just throwing that ball up for anybody. Like I don't care. I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm sick of getting hit. And it was it was a terrible terrible outing for Philip Rivers. And, and we all yeah, should have guessed that he was. He was throwing the ball on purpose. He wasn't throwing the ball away. He wasn't doing what Darnold was. Darnold was just like, ah! A couple of those, he was just, ah! He was just getting rid of it because he, he yeah. didn't want to get he hit. He just hot potatoed that thing. That was Darnold, I mean, not not Rivers. River, Rivers was trying to make positive football plays. Um, He never really has ever struck me as, like, the, you know, like, easily rattled guy. I mean, you can get under his skin. But he'll he'll stand in there against a pass rush. I mean, didn't he play a game with a blown out ACL? He did. So I'm, I'm not gonna I'm never gonna doubt the toughness of of one Philip Rivers. I don't want to, but I'm just calling it like I see it. Some of those throws were ten yards over anyone's head. It looked like he was a couple of them, not all of them, but a couple of them. He was just throwing that thing up because he was sick of getting hit. It looked like. Uh, okay. So we had a, a, a great desperation effort by Phillip Rivers and the rest of the Chargers on Sunday before this Thursday nighter. They, they put them in position to get back in contention uh, where they knock off the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers yeah. uh, was on that heater where he couldn't be beaten. He couldn't do anything wrong. And uh, it, it went out. The light went out quickly uh, in, in, in L.A. in the soccer stadium. So uh, – Hidden in the details, if you paid, I don't know how much, it didn't get a lot of press, but if you paid attention or careful attention to a lot of the post-game interviews with Rodgers and uh, and with Matt LaFleur, I always forget his name on this show, uh, you know, the Packers coach, it sounded like a, a Los Angeles situation, so to speak. Basically... They traveled out an extra day early, and you can associate then for reasons why the coach and the quarterback were like, we weren't ready to play. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that the, that the Packers may have been partying a little hard um, oh. out in L.A. because that's a lot of the local buzz and listening to, like, the reading through the tea leaves of what the coach and the quarterback were saying. Um, and also, because then they were also talking about how they, they purposely went out of their way to mention about the fact that they took that extra day for their trip to get prepared. Well, it sounds like they got a little prepared. Uh, not, Venice, not Minnesota Vikings style here. I mean, we're not talking to that level. <laughs> but you have a young, you have a young coach hasn't probably quite learned how to control of his football team yet, um, and a fairly young team uh, going out to L.A. And, you know, hey, we see this happen in Miami a lot, right? NBA teams or some, you know, all of a sudden the heater trash, but then the heater blowing up like the Golden State Warriors or something because they just just look a little sluggish. Maybe they were playing a little, you know, a little extra South Beach time. Uh, I think that was a situation where where the Packers just showed up and they didn't look like they showed up. I mean, you were watching that game like, what is happening here? And uh, I'm going to go. I was trying uh, to give. 
not tinfoil hat here, but I'm going to say right, that the right. Packers may have gone out to L.A. and uh, had a little extra, you know, that extra day of preparation, quote unquote, uh, may have come back to get them. Turn into an extra day of yaha. Um, yeah, you took the word out of my mouth. Are they an NBA team? What do you mean they went out and party too much? What the, what the hell? That's that's what usually they, they do in the uh, association. There's a, a betting correlation that was out there uh, back like last decade when the Chicago Bulls were all time terrible and were still like winning games at home that they had no business winning. That it was because of, of how great of a party city Chicago can be. Uh, so that that's definitely out there. Um, I was not trying to. I, I did not. I did not hear it. All of that stuff, but that's up there where you are. So you would you would yeah. hear local stuff like that. Uh, I was trying to give the credit to Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa because it looks like oh. what I was watching they weren't letting <laughs> Rodgers get going at all, and it's it's impossible to keep a, a, a hot streak going as a quarterback if you don't have any time at all to to, to do anything back there. So. Uh, maybe it was the uh, the offensive linemen that went out and party too much because they were getting abused regularly during that game. Yeah, well, apparently Oakland isn't much of a party town <laughs> because they didn't have they they, they weren't getting those gains uh, into the uh, offensive backfield against Derek Carr uh, the way they were against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So Oakland's a great party people, town yeah. for certain economic I, levels, like. Lower <laughs> levels. <laughs> this is why the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas? Is that what we're saying? Uh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, well, I guess we need to uh, look up from the ground as we lay in the dirt behind the Miami Dolphins bandwagon, and it just kept rolling right on without us. Yeah, congratulations, I, I, I guess. There you go. That's, that's that's all I can say is we both jumped off and wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? They 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 beat the Jets and they just beat the Jets. They kind of whooped them. Yeah, the Jets are bad. <laughs> the Jets are real bad. The, the Dolphins are bad, but yeah. The, the, and uh, Darnold, God, again. First drive, he's just fine. Game script looks pretty good. Then he got to play the rest of the fucking game, and uh, and then all of a sudden he looks like we we know what he looks like because every time it seems like ever since that game that there's a point in in every game since then the the last two games where you look at Sam Darnold and he looks like he's just completely <laughs> ducking out of the way and and nothing's going right and there's only one thing you can describe that. To. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep ghost doing that until ghost whisperer. until he looks he does until he doesn't look like that until he plays a game in which he doesn't have moments where he looks like he's seeing people come at him that aren't coming at him. Uh, I'm gonna have to keep playing that for him. But yeah, he 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 did it again. You can just call him the ghost whisperer like from again. now on. Yeah, uh, it's it's it's, it's I, I don't I never knew we would have that much Bruce Willis uh, on our show uh, ever in, in in our lives, but. I guess that's not really Bruce Willis. It's what was the kid's name? Haley Joel Osment. Is that his name? You got it. You nailed yeah. that one. Wow. I'm so proud of myself. Uh, by the way, I've heard that's a good movie. I'll, I'll see it someday. Yeah, it is. Um, you, you only need to see yeah. it one time. It's not a movie that you need that, that requires multiple viewings. But it, it, yeah, not a bad movie. They spoiled the ending for me years ago, though. You, you can't keep a good oh. ending uh, wrapped up, you know. Yeah, uh, I guess I should give you credit. I don't want to talk about Miami and 
New York for very long. Uh, I should give no. you some credit for completely uh, shitting all over and continuing to shit all over the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my God. So, Freddie Kitchens, one and done. Are, are we on that? You keep asking. Is he going to make keep, it through the uh... season? <laughs> he might not even be one and done. They're not going to fire him before the season's over, are they? I mean, I know they're they're, not... they're an embarrassment. Well, I mean, I don't think so. Baker Browns Mayfield is on every commercial on TV. The team's two and six. <laughs> How many other quarterbacks on two and six football teams right now are on chunky soup ads and insurance ads? It seems like you know, is Jameis Winston on a lot of ads right now? He <laughs> could probably not... get the Joe's Crab Shack thing going or something, oh. right? Why? I was gonna say he's not for not for Publix. If he's if he's got any ad deals, it's not for Publix. That's for sure. Publix. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, that's a dumpster the, the, fire. The the blonde chick that he's getting the straw for in the stadium is, is that his or is that an actress? I, that's about the only question I had about Baker Mayfield. I don't really care about him uh, otherwise. Uh, the the three shaving thing was was uh, was that was new. The the he shows up at the stadium with a full beard. Uh, the game starts and he has a a, a Fu Manchu and and he's oh made the decision to shave before the game to to give himself the Fu Manchu. Apparently, uh, it was some sort of good luck charm and it, and he was like undefeated before he did that and uh, he's no longer undefeated with the Fu Manchu uh, thanks to the the Denver Broncos. Which uh, you should have went with your contrarian move. I wrote this down. You said the contrarian move would be to take the Broncos over the Browns in that spot. Yeah. And you didn't do it. You, you felt like you could do it, but you didn't do it. And, and I, 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 old me somehow would have done that. I need to get back to old me. Yeah. You, you well, you got to do the the intuitive thing. If you feel it, if, if it's something that you feel, you just go with the feeling. Don't don't think about it too much. Just go with that. That's that, that's how you do that one. You shouldn't um, be so, encouraging me to do that. That hadn't worked for you really well. Yeah, you're you're gonna come back and catch me in the next couple of weeks if you do that. I'm I'm I got a bad feeling. If I just start um, going, if I just start doing the just because or, or, or uh-huh. yeah, like, yeah. When I start getting those feelings like I did with the Ray Rice game, you know, <laughs> or the, or the beast mode game, you know, you better watch out oh. if I start feeling those again. Uh, look out for any road 10 point underdogs. Uh, I don't, uh, oh, I, 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 do I see one on the schedule this week? Yeah, I think we got one. Um, so we'll, we'll see how you feel about that. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Baker Mayfield, he, he wasn't done. He, he, he goes down to the Fu Manchu where he had good luck and he didn't have good luck and they lose that game. So he comes out in the post game press conference and he shaved again. Now he's just got the little porn stash. How do you pay that much attention to your facial hair when you're going down in flames and you're an embarrassment to your organization? Like, like Baker Mayfield has been, I don't understand at all. So he's he's coming close into that Johnny football territory. And I know he hated those comparisons, but when you when you got that much going on, thinking about your wardrobe and your facial hair, when you take the time to shave more times than than touchdown throws in a day, and starting quarterback, that's not good. So he's he's going down the wrong path. Freddie Kitchens is looking like he's overwhelmed and overmatched for this job. Don't know about the uh, uh, getting fired before the end of the year, but it's fair to wonder if he, he might be a one and done. I, that's that's absolutely in play. 
the Odell yeah, Beckham ex- explosion has got to be coming soon. It's coming. He looks like he's getting closer and closer. Like he had, he was wide open on one of those last uh, drives and the ball was not there. Baker's just not looking his way because he thinks he's covered or something. I don't know. Um, and you can, you can watch Odell sort of stalking down the sideline uh, on the, on the next, on the next, on the defensive drive where Cleveland's defense is out there and Odell Beckham is just kind of stalking and like uh, starting to run break out into dead sprints out of nowhere randomly like trying to get the energy out of himself because he can feel himself building up uh, about to do something or say something uh, he wants baker mayfield to, to get him the fucking football whether he's covered or not because he knows he's got the physical ability to make catches on balls where it looks like he might be covered but for whatever reason baker mayfield doesn't want to put the ball out there for for odell beckham and it, it's it's mind-boggling you'd rather check down and look for Jarvis Landry and, and all the tight ends and everybody else to just go deep every now and then for one of the best playmakers in the game. It, it's just crazy. Yeah. And in the meantime, Denver wins with a, who the hell is this guy quarterback? And <laughs> yeah. What a, what, a lot of those. what a spot. Um, Cleveland. Oof. They Not get a lot Buffalo of those situations this, this year. Uh, Brandon Allen was, was the, uh, Brandon, was the Broncos. We got a lot of Allens. We got too many Allens. We got to get rid of these. Got the Kyle and, and, yeah, and Josh. I, I can't, and yeah, I can't keep any Brandon. of these Allens. Yeah. Pretty soon was Grayson Allen going to start playing quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> kicking guys in the groin? <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. He, he was, he's on the Grizzlies. That's well. the Grayson Allen move, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the Allens won last week, by the way. It was, it was a great week for Allen. <laughs> you know, if you had the Allen parlay in Vegas, yeah. um, you would have done worked. really well. Uh, the uh, Yeah, Tennessee didn't have anything for, for Kyle Allen, so they go yeah. down in flames there. They didn't have anything for Christian McCaffrey, who looks like the best running back in, in football right now by a wide margin. Uh, yeah. There's going to be MVP talk for a running back, which seems crazy in this day and age of, of, of quarterbacks. But Christian McCaffrey's kicking everybody's ass every single week, and it's not yes, even. He is. Uh, no one can do anything with him. No, and yeah. now that it's been now that it's been determined that Cam Newton is officially done for the year uh, again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought it was nothing choice. to see here. Cam, but the Cam Newton is just he is literally falling apart right before our very eyes. That that's going to be the uh, fascinating thing about next year is does Cam Newton come back wherever he is? Apparently, it might not be uh, Carolina. Does he come back as anywhere near the old Cam, or has that is has that ship sailed? Is is the uh, MVP Cam uh, never to be seen again? That, that's certainly a question mark. Well, I mean, you you this calling his own number and the Superman Act, it, it's just not he can't come back that way, right? He has to try to morph into something else. And and have we seen, have we ever seen a running quarterback morph into a pocket quarterback? We've seen a lot or, of them or, try. Or, a, you know, he, I would feel better if Cam Newton came back next year and tried to be more like Ben Roethlisberger without the rape. <laughs> Please, let's stay yeah, out of women's bathrooms. Allegedly, allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Um, allegedly, yeah. I'm, 
but that's that's what Cam Newton needs to be. He he needs to basically just be the big guy in the pocket who can absorb some hits and extend some plays. But this running Cam Newton's got this has got to be over, right? You would think so. Isn't the best example of running quarterback to throwing quarterback uh, that one year in Minnesota that Randall Cunningham had where he just threw it up for Randy Moss like over and over again? But not everybody just gets Randy Moss to fall into their lap. I totally understand that. It, that was a very unique situation yes. for, for Randall Cunningham. But Randall Cunningham, the fact is, for all of the running that he did, Randall Cunningham threw, could throw the deep ball. Sure. I mean, he could sling it. I mean, he was, again, we see a lot of these plays of, of Randall Cunningham doing these amazing things, and a lot of those highlights would end with Randall Cunningham throwing a 60-yard bomb. True. He, he he did a lot of running, but he also did a lot of eluding and avoiding and getting yes. uh, knocked down only to put his hand down and make and make sure he doesn't go down and stay alive so then he could launch one through the air. Do you think about Randall playing now? And, yeah. you know, that would be he, – he'd be just as electric as Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson because those guys are – those guys are more, I think, from the – you know, they've fallen from the tree of Randall Cunningham. You know, I, I'm still in where Lamar Jackson has fallen from the tree of Michael Vick and Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, it, it's a slight distinction, uh, but yeah, I, I see the distinction. Because um, to, to fall from the tree of, of Vick or Kaepernick, you have to have like all world game changing speed. We, we still remember the playoff game that Kaepernick had against the, the Packers where he's just fakes one way, turns a corner, and just is completely gone. Um, and, and, you know, RG3 sort of had that speed for, for a very brief while in his rookie year before he got banged up. Yeah. Uh, and you see the speed that Lamar Jackson has where he just he presses a button, he, takes, he gets that super secret turbo button, and yeah. just completely gone, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, very. Rem- I mean, I, I'm still for forever going to remember that play with Michael Vick when he ran up the gut against Minnesota to win that game, and he just rolled out, and then, I mean, ten yards down the field, all of a sudden he hits the burners, and it looked like the Minnesota players were running in mud. They're still waiting to touch him. No one's laid a hand and, on him. Everybody too, ever. Everybody listening to this show knows what play I'm talking about because you can close your eyes mm-hmm. and see it in your head, and then he just runs off the field and they win. I believe that was an overtime win. And but that that was what we got from him, you know. That was what we got from him. And you know, Lamar Jackson seems to have that kind of speed. His throwing he, motion he is not prettiest. Um, it's a little mechanical, a little little long, um, but he gets it there. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. know, you know that that's all that matters. The ball gets to where it needs to be. Uh, we got uh, one game that we both got that we need to thank our lucky stars and thank a specific uh, place kicker for giving us the victory because uh, the Buccaneers and the Seahawks are doing battle <laughs> and, and they're tied in regulation and Seattle's got a yeah. chance to get the game winning 40 yard field goal. And Jason Myers blows the field goal, which yes. sends the game to overtime, which allows the Seahawks to get a touchdown instead of a field goal and win by six in a game that they were favored by five. So that's almost unfair. It really is totally unfair to the Buccaneers to lose a game and a spread in which uh, Jameis Winston did nothing to lose the game or the spread. He played a a great game. He played clean. He didn't make any 
mistakes. You didn't throw any Jameis balls where you throw your hands in the air and go, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, he he yeah. did none of that. He, he went back and forth with Russell Wilson, and, and he was right there. That's just – I'm just glad that worked out for us because you know – you just know that's one where I would have had Tampa. <laughs> Those are the ones that you win. <laughs> so I'm just glad I was there for it. Yes, we we both got that one. Um, so eight and six last week for me, six and eight for you for the season that puts me uh, very slowly climbing to that 500 level. I'm now one game behind 500, 66 and 67. You're six games behind me at 60 and 73. Uh, so I've, I've been able to pull off the last couple of weeks and, and put some distance between us, but six games is not very much. We've got a lot of games left and got a lot of time for you to, to make that ground up, especially if you start going with your gut and, and not overthinking any picks, which you, you, you always seem to make games up quickly on me when you do that. Yeah, I, I actually uh, be interesting this week because I made all of my picks, just ran right through them. Then I went through and started looking, you know, injury reports. And then I, I altered a few picks and I altered enough picks that I at least don't remember how many picks I altered. So these are my picks and I'm sticking to them now. Hmm. Interesting. But I did, I um, did, uh, I did make my picks and I looked at my picks cause I had them all visually represented right in front of me. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't go this heavy this way or this way. I need to at least see something on some of these games that would give me some pause. And I saw enough on a few of the games, whether it was injuries or, you know, some little tendencies or something. I was like, you know, I've got to, you know, these were the 50, 50 games for me. The ones where you were like, kind of like, I'll go back to that one or I'm not sure. So we'll see. Um, I did want to point out one last game from last week. Cause I don't want to short shrift the ones that you get over me. Um, Ah. that, that you had the, the Bills over the Redskins. No success for Dwayne Haskins in his first start. I was going with a hunch there, and bad hunch, bad, bad hunch. Uh, the, the play calling and the weapons, just, just yeah. they're not there. The Redskins have nothing right no, now. They're, they're Adrian they're, Peterson, and that's absolute it. Absolute dearth of talent in that, on that yeah. offense, and Buffalo, Buffalo smothers those teams. So mm-hmm. I, I uh, felt pretty yeah. good about that one. Yeah, good, good call out of you. All right. Uh, you had anything else uh, for, for uh, week no, nine? Ready to, ready to make some picks. Uh, trying to think of any other news that happened this week in the NFL. It's kind of kind of quiet. Uh, we had some uh, free agency uh, pickups, some waiver wire situations. Josh Gordon is back in the league yep. after the Patriots cut him. He's, he's going to apparently make his uh, debut on Monday night for the uh, for the Seahawks. So we'll, we'll see if he's got something uh, left in the tank. Uh, that's definitely the main event of the weekend, and it'll be the last pick. Hopefully we'll leave ourselves more than 90 seconds to talk about it. But I, actually, I'm, I'm certain we will because there's so few games this week. This is the week with six uh, teams on bye. Uh, yeah, so we'll yeah, it's a pretty light schedule-wise. So, yeah, we may actually, actually have extra time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I promise we will because uh, a few of these games, I have, like, nothing to, to say about them. <laughs> bad there's some bad games. The, the the battle yeah. of New York, <laughs> battle in quotation marks for for certain. Um, I will give our plugs now. Basketball. What about basketball? I said the the Jets and the Giants was going to be like wheelchair basketball. <laughs> wow, that kind of battle. 
It's quite the visual. Uh, 60,000 people in that stadium to watch wheelchair basketball. I, actually, I don't know if they're going to get that high. I don't know. But I, if you're a Jets or a Giants fan, do you really want to come out for that game? I know you got bragging rights. It's like Cub Sox or Yankees Mets. I understand that. But really, do, do you really want to sit there and watch this game? I believe I heard this. I heard this from somebody who heard this. Uh, they, I believe they attributed this to, and I'm hoping we get this right, that they were listening to the Dan Patrick show. Okay. And the joke that was made about this game was, can they just put the paper bag over the whole stadium? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank, yeah. I heard that one, and I was like, okay, I am stealing that. I'm gonna. I wish I. I wish I had come up with that one because you know you have the jet. All the fans. If the fans are all wearing the paper bags, just put the big paper bag over the whole stadium, and play the game that way. And, hey. Uh, hey! Uh, I like that. So I, I knew that, yeah. that I, I'm going to give a shout out, maybe incorrectly here to the Dan Patrick show, but I'm fairly certain that that's where uh, the quote that I was had repeated back to me was uh, credited to. You can decorate them. You can make them blue or green, depending <laughs> on your fan loyalty. Uh, but, but a paper bag uh, is a paper bag. Yeah. There's a giant paper bag over the whole stadium. All right, now I will give the plus. I uh, wanted to uh, talk about our Twitter first uh, just because uh, we got Naj in Atlanta last week. We had Bryce in Brooklyn the week before. Uh, we may have some other listeners who may have just got to us this year of uh, that had listened in prior seasons, and, and they're like, what is this, the new format? What's going on? Uh, we are doing uh, one show a week we're doing the uh, recap of the previous weekend and, and whatever news during the week yep. and then we're going into our picks uh so that's what we're doing now uh if you're wondering about the thursday night pick when we do a, a saturday night show and we don't have any uh recap show in the middle of the week to make our thursday night pick that you have to follow us on twitter to get i am at imld dre that's imld d-r-e jason is at imld j-t-g uh, that's where we're putting our Thursday night picks right there on Twitter. Definitely before the game starts, usually in the mid afternoon for Jay and usually a little bit in the evening, maybe a, an hour or two before game time for me. Uh, but definitely before the game starts, well before the game starts, both of our picks are up there on Twitter for the Thursday night game. Um, if you were following us on Twitter, you got our Oakland pick. We both, had the Raiders over the, the, the Clipper Chargers, um, and we were both a little surprised and, and making comments about how much money and love seemed to be going on the Chargers in this spot as if people haven't been paying attention throughout the years to the Thursday night games, which uh, this late in the season almost overwhelmingly go to the home team, no matter how yep. low the quality of the, the home team might be. Uh, when you get this late in the season, you get these tired ass bodies getting in these car wrecks every Sunday for our entertainment, and then ask them to get out there three days later and do it again. Uh, the the team that has to travel and do that overwhelmingly seems to have a disadvantage. Uh, traveling from L.A. to Oakland is not that big a deal, but it's still traveling. It's still uh, going into a hostile environment uh, and having to to find the the. The, the strength within yourself to pull out the, the effort three days after you've had a football game. And the later in the year it gets, the harder it seems to be 
for these road teams to do. So if you followed us on Twitter, we both had Oakland. If you followed me, you got the, the parlay because I had the over as well. Uh, so we're, th- those are where our picks are. You got to follow us on Twitter, though, to get our Thursday night pick. Again, I'm at IMLD Dre on Twitter. Jason is at IMLD JTG. And you get some comments and, and uh, retweets and things uh, from outside of football and, and all sorts of stuff from us on Twitter if you follow us. Uh, you can email the show. You can send any questions or comments to the following email address in much less detail at gmail.com. Love to hear from any of you, uh, any thoughts about the new format, any questions, any issues at all. You are, of course, listening live to the only place that you can hear this show, which is the website blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. If you want to hear the show as a podcast, which would be this live show, the two hours, and any after show that we may decide to do after that, uh, you can go to any number of places that you can find podcasts, uh, any podcasting apps such as TuneIn, such as Mixcloud, such as Player.fm. Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and we will be right there, and you subscribe, and when the show is finished, it downloads to you. Uh, our picks will be up on our blog, and our blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. Those picks will be up after the show is over uh, sometime this evening, uh, definitely before the game starts tomorrow. So with all of that out of the way, on to week 10 in the NFL as the season rolls on. And like I said, certainly looking forward to the, uh, the Sunday night or the uh, Monday nighter. The Sunday nighter should be good as well. Uh, but the Monday Nighter with the last remaining undefeated team is the main event. But before that, we have all this uh, afternoon action on Sunday on tomorrow. We'll start with Arizona and Tampa Bay as we get started with a whole bunch of games that we probably don't have a whole lot to say about. Uh, Arizona now at 3-5-1, and four-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road at the 2-6 and six Tampa Bay Bucks. It's all going to have to come down to which Jameis Winston do we get. Do we get that three really good weeks in a row Jameis Winston or the Jameis Winston that went up to Seattle? Or do we get the Jameis Winston that's going to you know, throw four picks, fumble the ball away, um, and just completely torpedo his team's chances of, of winning? Although he has those performances and Bruce Arians is a good enough coach that they actually still are in those games, which is really stunning that you could be that fast and loose with the football. And, and still find yourself in, in positions late where you, you know, a play here or a play there, and you're, you're either back in the game or you could possibly win. Uh, Cardinals aren't very good. So I'm gonna, I, I think that the, the Tampa Bay offense is just going to light them up. I think that the Arizona Cardinals, they, they try. I, I'll give them that. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury gets some effort out of them, but they're not very good. That back end is just a disaster. Um, James Winston should light these guys up pretty easily. I think that there's going to be opportunities all over the field for, for those receivers, the tight ends. I mean, they can't run the football, so they're probably not even going to try. So I would expect this to be a lot of James Winston through the air. He may, he may throw two or three picks, but he'll probably throw four or five touchdowns. So I'm going to take Tampa here and uh, give the, give the spread. Yeah, I completely agree with the uh, opening premise there that it all comes down to what Jameis Winston does. Can 
uh, the Cardinals force Jameis into enough dumb plays to get a W is basically uh, the, the, the question that I went into uh, trying to make this pick. And that's how I got my answer. Um, and going to the metrics a little bit, the, the Cardinals uh, defense per football outsiders ranks 15th in pass protection. So right there uh, in the middle of the pack. And I'm going to say that's good enough. Uh, you say three or, uh, uh, interceptions or turnovers and four or five touchdown passes, uh, tomato, tomato. I say three touchdown passes and four or five interceptions or turnovers. Um, and I make the, the very rare pick of, I think Tampa will outgain Arizona in yardage by a pretty wide margin and Arizona will still win the game because of the bad mistakes by Jameis. So uh, I'll take Arizona. I'll take those points. The uh, aforementioned battle, quote-unquote battle, between the uh, twin paper bag Jets and Giants, uh, it's a home game for the Jets. Uh, not that it matters, but just for the record, it's a home game for the Jets, uh, and the Giants are still favored. Uh, it's a cop-out line, Giants minus three at, quote-unquote, at the Jets. So the Giants are really bad. I think that that is – Daniel Jones is not the answer. Eli Manning was not the answer. Uh, if they are the answer, I don't want to know what the question was. Um, but the Jets are god-awful. So in the battle of really bad versus god-awful, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to have to go and, 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 and swallow this one here. And, and I'm not going to watch any of this game. Um, although tomorrow, because the Packers got flexed into the afternoon, the red zone will be on. Um, probably won't have to be on a lot for this one. I don't anticipate a whole lot of red zone opportunities. This is going to be bad, bad, bad football. The paper bag analogy was perfect. Um, I guess I'll take the Giants as the road favorite here and give the three. Um, does anyone care? We pick them all, folks. That we do. Um, you you could not just pick New York. You're going to have to pick one of the two teams, and, and I will have to do the same. Uh, I'd love to just say New York and be done with it. Uh, bad versus God awful is, is a good way to, to put that. Um, I didn't know which way to go, so I had to do a little deeper dig on this one as well. And Pro Football Focus let me know that Jameis Winston, no surprise, leads in what they call turnover-worthy plays, uh, plays in which whether the turnover occurs or not, uh, the quarterback made such a bad decision that it should have been a turnover. No surprise, the leader in the league in turnover-worthy plays this season is Jameis Winston. Number two in the league, in the entire league, in turnover-worthy plays is Danny Dimes. All that hype about the great Daniel Jones. It's and adversity. He like, <laughs> and he looks like Eli Manning light. Um, so I will I will take Ghost Boy. I'll, I'll go with Whoa, Sam Darnold. Wow. I'm going to roll with Gang Green and, and take the Jets over uh, Mr. Struggleface, Daniel Jones, and the Giants. And we definitely talked more about that than we had any right to. Uh, on to the Ravens and the Bengals. Baltimore, of course, coming off that very impressive win on Sunday night. Now sitting at 6-2. and two. Uh, 10-point favorites on the road at the 0-8 Cincinnati Bengals, who have benched Andy Dalton and are going with, uh, let me check my notes here, Ryan Finley uh, as their quarterback. Oh, 
Well, Andy Dalton needed to be benched. And if if we have learned anything this year is that apparently every everybody every team can just drop a quarterback or get somebody hurt and then just roll in with a backup and 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 compete, huh? I mean, we would expect that to happen here with the Bengals and the Ravens. Uh, oh boy, that <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Um, the real Baltimore, I think, showed up last week uh, against the New England Patriots, uh, you know, and, and just absolutely showed up and showed out at home. Now they go on the road to face the Cream Puff Bengals, and, well, yeah, I'm taking the Bengals. I'm taking all those points because that's just <laughs> so Ravens. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we haven't had to, to deal with that drop all year. I hope they're not going to revert back to that. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> if you're playing that again on the next show, oh. that's because oh. <laughs> it happened. It, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I. this is one of those just because. This, this is it. You're, you're doing it. It's happening, folks. Put all your money on the Bengals. Um, I, I especially don't want that to happen in, in this particular game uh, because – I come on, I, I I just can't imagine the the Bengals competing at all. I, I understand I'm a Baltimore fanboy at this point right now. I get it, but yeah, how can you not love the Ravens? I don't I don't I don't understand. Um, this is a rematch of Week Six where the Ravens actually managed to not cover the spread against the Bengals, twenty three to seventeen in a home date. Uh, very flukish comeback uh, for the for the Bengals to cover that. Uh, that was the 269-yard rushing day for the for the Ravens as a team, by the way, and they probably will do something similar uh, on on tomorrow in this one. The Roto World uh, description of Ryan Finley, the Bengals quarterback, say accurate but little explosiveness. Well, what was um, the Roto World thing about the Allen kid in Denver? Hang on, let me, I mean, let me check. Like, let me check my notes on that. I'm surprised. It should have just said he's a piece of shit. And he went out. Oh, uh, it said undersized, nice arm, and some mobility. So there you go. So it's this got is a different. good beat, is, and I can dance to it. Give it an 85, Dick. Uh, so this is different. This is uh, accurate, but no. So, so you, he can't go deep at all, and it's a good thing because the Bengals don't have anyone you can go deep to anyway. Uh, this feels like 30 to three. I don't. I'm. I, I, you're but this is how right. you do it. This this you're is how you do it. There right. are games where I say I don't understand how you can make that pick. That how you that's how you can this kid's gonna have three touchdowns and, and they're gonna be carrying him off the field. That's so racist. <sighs> that's <I'm>, why. <laughs> what the, come I'm on, the, if this happens if this happens, you'll just oh have to God. like you know what? You'll just look up and go, Yeah, that that's so Ravens. You have a big letdown loss after you just beat the undefeated world champion New England Patriots and you go to Cincinnati who's got zero wins and you crap the bet and you have to win like with a late touchdown. I'll, I'll say this, that that's so Ravens that this over the years, this is something that the Ravens would do. They have a huge win over uh, a, a, a much stronger team and then come back the next week against a lesser opponent and, and crap the bed that, that developed under the, the last decade under the Joe Flacco era. I'm hoping they turned a corner now that Flacco's out of there and that it won't be a lot more consistency, hopefully, with with Lamar Jackson than it was with Flacco. That really was a Flacco thing when we when you think about it. That wasn't so much about the – We'll see if Lamar 
Jackson is, is lived up to the spirit of being a yeah. raven because there's something that comes with being a raven, and that's being so raven. I'm trying to talk myself into saying it was a flackle stench and, and not a raven's thing. <laughs> yeah, that's so Broncos. Uh, doesn't sound good, and <laughs> and I don't have a drop for that. I don't have a drop for that. On to the Chiefs and the Titans. As everybody knows, Pat Mahomes has cleared all of his uh, injury protocols and is going to take the field and get the start for the Chiefs. Uh, Big downgraded quarterback for the Chiefs uh, as Matt Moore was just playing lights out MVP football, and now they have to go back to the original starter. Right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you got to swallow it. He's the original starter, and you just got to put him back in there whether whether you want to or not. In any event, as hopefully you can tell, the tongue is firmly in cheek there. The uh, six and three Chiefs, six point favorites on the road at Ryan Tannehill and the four and five Titans. Yeah, the Titans. We would talk about teams that are sitting four and five, only two games out in their division. But do the Titans feel like a, a team that's a win away from five hundred? Uh, you know, Marcus Mariota was a disaster all season. Ryan Tannehill basically proved that if you just give them basic minimal competency, just league average competency, or even slightly less at the quarterback position that they could at least compete. I don't think they're going to have any chance competing here against uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's feels like a guy who's coming back from being banged up and probably about to go on an MVP run here over the next seven weeks. I would not be shocked if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just absolutely blow the doors off the Tennessee Titans. Andy Reid gets his toy back. They're going to have no problem slinging that thing deep. I think that the Chiefs blow the Titans out. Lock it up. Mm. Um, I'll just add to that. I'm I'm agreeing and concurring and taking the Chiefs and giving the six, but um not nearly as confident as you. I'm just, I'm a little scared of the rustiness factor of Mahomes. And the reason I'm scared is because if you remember this knee thing and the kneecap sliding around and doing the Wendell Davis and getting popped back into place, uh, that wasn't the original deal that was slowing Pat Mahomes down. He was being slowed down for two, three weeks before that by a bad ankle that kept getting stepped on. So the fact that his knee is okay and he can come back on the field is great, but is the ankle uh, 100% as well and I'm not saying it's not going to be 100% because you would think with this the, the last couple of weeks to rest that the, the ankle healed up and the and the knee you would think but I'm just throwing it out there that I'm a little afraid of that so I'm not all in on the on the Chiefs covering the six I haven't winning by seven so I have to take well, <laughs> Kansas City by well, six the last time we saw the Chiefs lose Patrick Mahomes in a game Matt Moore came in and the lead extended the lead so that's all we need right so the Titans better watch out. They want to try to keep Mahomes in this game for as long as they can because if Mahomes gets knocked out, nobody can stop Matt Moore. And that's a great point out of you, the the great Matt Moore. They're, they're downgrading by patting, uh, putting Pat Mahomes back in there. Yeah. <sighs> On to the I hope Lions. nobody's listening to the show for the first time <laughs> thinking we're serious. These guys like, are man, jokes. These guys really think Matt Moore is better. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, maybe we should just be stupid about things. We might get more people to listen. It might. I'll, I'll take a well, listen any way I can get. So far, especially the last few weeks, you'd probably think that, anyways. <laughs> I know this was a comedy show. Attempted comedy, anyway. 
uh, onto the uh, NFC North, the Lions and the Bears, and I don't know how you make anything out of either one of these teams. So we'll, we'll, I, I'm curious to see what you're going to say about it I, because I don't know what I'm going to say exactly. Uh, it's a cop out line, by the way. Uh, Lions are at three point dogs. Three, four, and one. Detroit are plus three at three and five. Chicago, and it should be pointed out that uh, Matthew Stafford has been reported just today or this evening to be a true game time decision that they really think there's a chance that he's not going to play. And he he hasn't missed a game since 2010. And you can't even go on Roto world and find who his backup quarterback is because they don't really use a backup quarterback in Detroit. So uh, it looks like it might be Jeff Driscoll is about the best I could come up with there. Yeah. And we don't know what Roto world would say about Jeff Driscoll, but no, I, I didn't like the news seeing that Matthew Stafford Great mobility. Yeah, Matthew Stat. First of all, yes, we've crapped on the Bears and we've crapped on the Bears defense, but only from the standpoint that the Bears aren't really turning people over. They're still playing really good defense. The problem the Bears have is they can't score a damn points. I mean, they're holding teams to 13 and 16 and 14. They're not letting teams into the 20s, and they're losing because their offense has been such a disaster. Um, the Lions come in; they can't run the football. They really don't. They they try. They draft a running back every few years. They think it's going to be cute. They're going to really get this running game going, but it never really seems to work out. And they're going into a Chicago team that is one of the best run defenses in the league. So they're going to have to force either an injured Matthew Stafford or some guy we don't know who he is to try to go in there and, and beat that Bears defense. I don't see it happening. I think the Bears get right at home here. They win a low-scoring game. I don't think they get to 20. But it's the cop outline, so hey, I think it's pushy anyways. You know, seventeen fourteen, seventeen fourteen is a push, but I'm going to go ahead and lean towards the the favorite home team here. I see that you have uh, probably more confidence or faith in in Chicago than I do. The defense has not been bad. You're you're right about that, but they have been so special the last the, the first few weeks of the season, including that of course. Monday nighter uh, in Washington. Um, and, and they just, starting with that London game against the Raiders, they just lost something. They they took a complete step back uh, and, and stopped playing as dominant as they could. Uh, but they have not been bad. You're, you're right about that. Um, you know who's been bad is Mitch Trubisky. And, and he knows it. Uh, now he's, uh, he's seeing ghosts on the TVs. He's uh, suggesting that they need to turn off the TVs at, uh, Hallis Hall where they practice so that he doesn't have to see any criticism about himself or the team, which is yeah, that uh, was a kinda, bad look. Kind of thin-skinned, I would say. Yeah, um, you're in Chicago, buddy. And you're you're in the NFL. You uh, just go out and play. Don't uh, don't don't worry about what's on the TV and don't go and shave three times in between games either. Just just try to concentrate on playing the the the, the game of football would be my would be my advice. Um, uh, our our commission, the commission of the the Baseball League, uh, David Lewis, um, I, I wished him a happy birthday yesterday, and he's, of course, originally from Detroit, so he, we got the Lions-Bears coming up this weekend. He responds back to me, and he says, who's going to screw up more this weekend, the Lions or the Bears? And my general genuine reaction was, oh, my God, Mitchell Trubisky is so bad right now, so that means the Lions are going to screw it up because they should beat this Bears team the way they're playing right now. Uh, but even before the Stafford injury, I'm not even going to make this a contingency. 
Stafford playing or not, I'm going to concur with you and take Chicago because it's about time for Detroit to start completely screwing up and, and letting the season go to waste. Remember how impressed we were with the Lions a few weeks ago? And, man, they're competing, and Matt Patricia's not a complete ass clown. It's starting to turn around, and, and the Lions are starting to become the Lions again. So uh, despite all evidence to the contrary, I'm going to agree with you and take Chicago. On to Buffalo well, that and was Cleveland. circular Speaking... logic there. Thank you. Uh, speaking of Baker Mayfield and his uh, different facial hair uh, expressions, the Bills and the Browns uh, completely giving away my pick, I understand, but please to explain how the 6-2 and two Bills are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 2-6 and six Browns. You want me to explain that? <laughs> yes, please, somebody. Well, I mean, you're the one that I'm talking to right now, so yeah, I'm well, asking you. Unfortunately, I can't explain it oh. because I took the Browns. Oh no! <laughs> yes, just because I'm, here it I've is. I've got the I've got the Brown fever one last time. Here they are, and this is a, you would figure this is a perfect spot at home. Yes, the Bills are a top three, top four NFL defense, but the Browns play okay defense too. I'll give them that. But the Browns can the Browns allegedly have some semblance of offense. They are so talented at every skill position. They've got to be get better. They've got to be better than three by three points than a Josh Allen led Buffalo team on the road. And you know the love fest that I have had and the love affair that I've had with the Buffalo Bills all season. I put them in the playoffs shockingly before the season even started. They haven't let me down. They've won in all kinds of spots. They played the Patriots super tough. The only clunker they had was against the Eagles. I think this could be a similar type situation. They're playing a team that is the dictionary definition of desperate. If the Browns lose this game and go to two and seven, we could see a firing. I, I wouldn't be shocked. It might not be Freddie Kitchens. But there's going to be some there's going to be some coordinators or some but some so whoever causes them to lose this game somebody muffs a punt special team coach fired yeah. they're going to just start because you can't fire these players so they're going to start firing coaches I think that the Browns can eke one out here at home against a team that doesn't put up a lot of points even though I have a ton of admiration for the Bills I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills go in there and just completely hold this team down and fluster Baker Mayfield and make him look like the chump he's been all year. One of the worst, one of the worst completion percentages, if not the worst in the league. Um, but all that being said, I just told you, I just told you for three minutes why I love the bills so much and I'm taking the Browns. <laughs> you gotta well, like that, just, right? No, not it's, it's worse than that. Not just that you, before that spent five minutes uh, convincing me that Freddie Kitchens is about to get fired before the season ends. And then yeah. you're, and you're taking the Browns. Of course, it's my move. And you made me uh, go look and see who the <laughs> who the uh, OC is under uh, Kitchens for the Browns, and, and should he get ready to, to possibly be a deflector shield and get fired? Uh, so Todd Munkin, wherever you are, uh, you want to gather your family and, and tell them you might be uh, uh, looking for some some work soon. Um, yeah, of, of course, I'm taking Buffalo here. Um, Cleveland's going to be missing uh, Olivier Vernon, who's uh, been making plays for that defense. I think that's a big missing piece because 
feels like when uh, uh, Miles Garrett gets around the corner and, and is looking for somebody to hunt, uh, if you can get away from him, it's been burning on the other end, sort of cleaning up and saying, okay, I'll take your ass down. And if he's not there, then that makes it sort of a, a one-dimensional uh, pass rush, and that's a that's a problem for Cleveland. Um, Kareem Hunt uh, adding to the run attack uh, should be uh, a good addition for the Browns. Uh, he will be back uh, tomorrow, getting off of his suspension. Uh, but I'm just I can't take Cleveland. I don't know where the fuck their heads are right now as a team. Um, they're of course zero and three at home. Uh, we we talked to, uh, about that at the beginning of the year when they started out losing at home and have kept losing and, and kept losing. That it might be one of those deals that they they're better on the road than uh, at home because they can't deal with all the pressure of the expectations at home. And and, and here they are. They they still haven't won yet, and they, they now they can't deal with the expectations on the road because the, they found a way to lose last week to a, a Broncos team starting a kid at quarterback for the first time. And now they get Buffalo. I'm I'm stunned that Buffalo is an underdog in this spot. But uh, this is exactly the type of game I lose to you when I'm stunned like that. So I'm going to shut up and move on now. Uh, the uh, Falcons and the Saints. This is Matty Ice, Matt Ryan returning from uh, his injury. Uh, Atlanta returning off the bye uh, with nothing left to play for. Uh, the one and seven Falcons. No surprise, the biggest spread of the week, 13-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 7-1 and one New Orleans Saints. Historically, the Falcons and the Saints will always play each other to a field goal game. Matt Ryan's back. They played Seattle tough. That was a push. Uh, it shouldn't have been a push, but that was a push with Matt Schaub at quarterback, so now they get their previous MVP quarterback. Uh, things seem to be lining up for a close game down in the uh, – down in the Mercedes, the other Mercedes. I can't keep that. God, they both yeah, play in a freaking Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What the hell? <laughs> um, down in the Superdome, we're gonna yeah. get. Can I still call it that? Or that, that's what we're calling the, it. Do I have money in the the tip jar or something? If I say it's the Superdome, you know, or the you know, like the like I said, it was the swear the swear jar. Um, everything Spears, would be lining up. Still Spears or, Tower, and it's still Comiskey Park. Damn it! I, I, and Rosemont Horizon. Uh, everything yes. is lining up for a Falcons, you know, 32-39. Somebody's going to win or lose this game by three points. And because it's all lining up for that, Saints squish. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I, I think the oh. narrative is – I'm going completely against the narrative here, which says they're getting Matt Ryan back. They're playing for nothing. They can be the spoiler. No, the Saints are just too damn good. The Falcons uh, – Everything they do right now, especially defensively, is just god-awful. I believe teams are converting third downs against them at a 54% clip. You cannot survive in the league. And this is why they are as bad as they are. Um, That defense just, you know, completely has fallen apart again. Um, I'd be definitely firing some trainers and – personal assistants and you know, anybody who strength and conditioning coaches should all be, there should be a lot of openings in Atlanta for those positions uh, coming soon here. So I'm going to take the saints, give them all. Just roping, doping your, your ass all over the place right now. I hope uh, whoever's inclined to, to take these picks and do something with them tomorrow. I hope you're parlaying all of these picks there that, that Jason is, is pulling a rope of dope and going one way and, and should be going the other. Cause those are the ones he usually wins. So wrap them up and, and make some, some, some coin off of that if you can. Uh, 
Uh, Alvin Kamara returning from injury for the Saints, so they'll be back uh, at their full strength. Both teams coming off the bye. Yeah, usually the you know if if things went the way they were supposed to go this year, of course I had the the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe things, in this, at least in the length of time we've been doing this show and season preview, a worst Super Bowl pick ever. So if things were going the way they were supposed to, this would be a great game. This would be a much, obviously, closer spread. Um, so the way I saw it is there's no chance at all that the Atlanta defense holds down the New Orleans Saints. It's just not going to happen the way the Atlanta D has fallen apart again this year, as you just said. The only question for the point spread, the only mystery, is can the Atlanta offense keep up? Can Maddie Ice come back from injury and step right back in? Uh, and do what he's supposed to do to keep the Falcons' offense in this game, to keep it within two possessions. That, that's that's the only question. I'm going to go yes, and it's probably clouded by the fact that, again, I picked the Atlanta Falcons to win the Super Bowl. So take that uh, with a grain of salt. Um, I'm, I'm taking the Falcons. I'm taking the points. Uh, but I'm probably very biased on that pick. Uh, but it is what it is. Anyway, moving on to the second biggest spread of the week is the Dolphins and the Colts. The Dolphins are always involved in huge spreads all year, so no surprise there. But they're coming off a win. Dolphins won. Yay. So the 1-7 and seven Dolphins, nonetheless, 10.5-point dogs at the 5-3 and three Indianapolis Colts. And it should be pointed out, in case you're unaware, that's without Jack Brisket. No Jack Brisket tomorrow at quarterback. For the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Jacoby Brissett is out, and Brian Hoyer is in at yeah. quarterback for, for Indy. Yeah, even with Brian Hoyer in the game, I was seriously contemplating locking this pick up um, for the Dolphins. I'm taking all of those points. Also, no T.Y. Hilton again. Right. So we have no T.Y. Hilton, which is usually the death knell for the Colts. And then we have Brian Hoyer starting at quarterback and not Jacoby Brissett, who had been – if Jacoby Brissett had stayed healthy all year, he would have probably gotten a few MVP votes thrown at him. I'm not saying they would have been deserved, but I wouldn't have been shocked because holding that team together, him and Frank Reich, had been doing such a good job in the wake of all the Andrew Luck stuff with the retirement um, and his – you know, after especially after coming back last year and playing so well and then just – you know, his body body failed. His body failed him. It's probably a Cam Newton situation. And here come the Dolphins, the giving just getting all these points. Still, after winning a game, after covering four straight times now. So in Vegas, if you've bet the Dolphins the last four weeks, you've been cashing a winning ticket, and they're still going to give this team ten and a half points with no T.Y. Hilton and no Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Dolphins and those points all day long. Yeah, I think just people got in a habit of, oh, it's the Dolphins. I need to throw money uh, against the Dolphins because they're so bad. And it has not worked out. And, yeah, that that trend needs to be reversed, uh, I would think. Um, It's hard to imagine the the Colts covering this number with with Brian Hoyer throwing to God knows who, uh, Zach Paschal and Bums um, at at receiver. I I don't – Indy really should just concentrate on the run and and run it down – Miami's throats and, and cover the spread that way. 
but I got a feeling they're going to try to to throw at least a little bit, just trying to act like they're a balanced team, which they really aren't. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to concur and take the fish and take the, the 10 and a half points. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, old, old turnover, Bernie Sanders, man. He, uh, he wasn't having that undefeated season on his watch. Uh, so he, he just kept throwing it up until, you know, until something happened basically. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take them to, to keep uh to keep it close and stick around. Wouldn't wouldn't even surprise yeah. me if they pulled out another win. Have we seen a a one in seven or one in eight team? I believe they are one in one in seven right now. Yes. I, I hate to give credit to Brian Flores, but this team, damn it, has not quit. And they could have quit. They've traded everybody, right? They they they, yeah. they they've covered bear. They have not been shy about the fact that they are dumping and tanking as hard as the day is long. And yet every week that team comes out and tries its damnedest. I mean, they don't, and we, we made fun of them early in the year because they were kind of like the, the, like the, like the big bully holding the head of the little kid and the little kid's just flailing his arms, but again, hit the big bully and that was the dolphins, but you appreciated the effort. And lately they've been not only giving the effort, but they've competed and then they won a game. And here they are again in a spot where I think they are being sold massively short. So all credit to Brian Flores for that great job coaching up a one in 17. <laughs> I think we both agree that at some point they're going to quit and just be the worst thing you've ever seen. Hasn't happened we, yet. We assigned, we assigned a FedEx team. We said the Falcons quit. I mean, we you watch them quit hard a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was sad to watch. I don't. I, I think they quit because they had no choice. But yes, uh, they they clearly uh, threw the towel in on the season, and which is why it's even more dumb that I'm taking them uh, tomorrow. But I'm doing it anyway. But yeah, the, the Dolphins have definitely not quit. I I, I, I don't want to give Brian Flores credit because I don't like him as a coach, but uh, can't can't take it away from him. They have not quit. They have competed. And they have been covering those spreads. So. Uh, keep making money with those those dolphins out there, folks. Uh, looks like it's easy money. Be five in a uh, row. On, yeah. On to the uh, finally a, a game between teams with winning records: the Panthers uh, and the Packers. Carolina at five and three. Uh, so this is uh, the 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 job of Kyle Allen for the rest of the year, as we talked about a little earlier. That Cam Newton has been put on injured reserve finally, so that's uh, we don't have to worry about him the rest of the year. So. Now the question is, uh, does Kyle Allen get the James Conner syndrome now that he has the job completely with nobody uh, over his shoulder? Uh, will he wilt on, and, under the pressure and, and not be as good as he was because he was trying to get that extra motivation to play and, and, and do well and keep his job? Uh, how, how is he going to respond is the big question there. And how will Aaron Rodgers and the Packers respond to uh, having their great run of football snuffed out last week pretty hard uh, by the, by the chargers. Uh, the Panthers are underdogs, of course, up there in Wisconsin, four and a half points dogs at green Bay. Yeah. that mom, The numbers actually, the number started higher and has actually been uh, moving uh, towards the Panthers. Um, this had been as high as six. Uh, so to hear it coming in at four and a half now, just kind of tells you there's been a little love going going the way of those Carolina Panthers. I, I expect that the Packers will bounce back 
and play better than they did in San Diego or L.A. or the, against the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles, I mean, um, mm-hmm. in the soccer stadium. I think they're going to show up at home. They're going to look a lot better. The, the My fear factor here for this pick, which is the same fear factor that I had against when they played the Raiders, was you're you're running into a team that legitimately can run the football, and that's where the Packers have been weak. And Josh Jacobs and the Oakland Raiders and Murga, they came in there with a game plan, and they had stuck to it and were doing really well until Derek Carr decided to throw the ball out of the end zone, you know? <laughs> he just decided to die for the pylon and throw the ball across the pylon, which uh, never goes well, and that's his move. Uh, we don't know if Kyle Allen is going to do that, but I'll tell you, Christian McCaffrey is a monster. You talked about him possibly being in the MVP conversation. I think the Packers are going to have their hands full with Christian McCaffrey because the, 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 the Panthers have to run the football. Even if they're behind, that's their guy. And if they're not going to run it, they're going to throw, throw it to him. So it's going to basically all fall onto the back of Christian McCaffrey, and I am going to take the Panthers and the points. Yeah, you know what Carolinas do when they come in. They're 7th in the league rushing and they're 25th in the league passing. Uh, they're absolutely all about Christian McCaffrey, run, run, and run some more. And they're not setting up too many uh, deep passes. But I was shocked to see that they do have uh, a, a deep target uh, up there near the top of the league. Uh, Curtis Samuel uh, is actually the third most targeted player in the entire NFL for 20-plus yard downfield passes. Yeah. Curtis Samuel. So, yeah, that, that's one of those things. Uh, so, yeah, Kyle Allen all the way for Carolina. Uh, I don't feel great about this pick either way. Um, so, I, the, the the James Conner syndrome, I think the answer um, is, is that you're playing a, a Packers team that's embarrassed coming off of what they did last week, and they probably want to get back and get right here. So, they're probably going to uh, – put a smothering and put a hurting on Kyle Allen, but I don't feel incredibly confident about it. Um, I'm going to take the, the Packers. They, they do give up the run. Uh, they've been giving up the pass even worse lately because their secondary is banged up, but I just don't believe, I guess, in Kyle Allen to take full advantage of that. If it was a different team, a different quarterback, it might be a different story, but I think this is the right spot for, for Aaron Rodgers to get back uh, on, on get back on track and get back to that hot streak that he was on the pan, the Panthers secondary can can be uh, can be had as well. So uh, I think this, uh, this is where they they make the comeback, but I don't feel awfully great about it. Uh, onto the Rams and the Steelers up in Pittsburgh. Uh, the LA Rams at five and three. They're coming off of their bye. Uh, they are four point favorites on the road at Mason Rudolph and the four and four Steelers. I like the Rams coming off of the bye here. Uh, we had started to see the resurgence of Todd Gurley before the bye. You give him two weeks to get rested up. They're going to play a Steelers team that, despite what our, our friend Bryce in Brooklyn would have you believe, is is playing for its, you know, it's playing for its life every week. I, I just, I, I, it's a very valuable win. Must win. Every game for the Steelers, I think the rest of the way is going to be must win. I mean, their backs are against the wall, but no, I think the Rams, I think you and I were surprisingly in tune with the fact that we thought that the Rams were still a real contender, not a fake contender, even though things haven't gone the best for them so far, and they're currently residing in third place. They're dangerous 
um, because they've they've been there. And sometimes you see that, you know, we've we've seen this with teams in the past where things don't go your way. We've seen, we've, we saw with Seattle, or Seattle would start slow every year, and then you know, sort of like start rounding back into shape. I think the Rams hit their low point a few weeks ago, and now you started to see, you know, they had a couple, they had that get right game against Atlanta. Todd Gurley looks like he's back to being a factor. I can very easily see the Rams going into Pittsburgh here and, and this isn't being a no contest. So I'm going to take the Rams and give the four. Yeah. At the risk of repeating myself, I, I did like the Rams uh, to contend and, and be a real team. Uh, you, you discredit that offense at your peril. You'd see how hot they can get uh, when they have, their parts working and you understand that Brandon cooks is not going to be a working part for them because he's got all these concussions, but um, they seem to know how to slip guys like uh, uh, Gerald Everett, the tight end and, and uh, Josh Reynolds uh, into the lineup and sort of keep that thing moving. They get so much motion to get so many guys going one way or the other. And they just uh, confuse their opponents so badly uh, at times. Um, and the biggest thing defensively for me, their biggest weakness over the years had been the uh, running defense. They are so eager to get upfield uh, that they let running backs get behind them, and they seem to have shored that up now uh, with the uh, addition of Dominican Sue. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely thinking the Rams are ready to make a run coming off of their bye. They're Already four and one on the road this year, if you count the uh, London game, which was a uh, home game for them, but I count it as a road game. Um, even if you take that away, that's still three and one on the road. Uh, the big issue for me, watching, getting a chance to watch the Steelers the last couple of weeks, because they uh, have been on prime time. I hadn't seen too much Pittsburgh football this year. Um, I was afraid, I was com- uh, actually prepared to maybe take the Steelers based on just how great their pass rush has, has looked, the games that I've seen them. Uh, T.J. Watt is is a monster. Bud Dupree is actually uh, making plays for them. Uh, so I was thinking uh, L.A. better protect Jared Goff uh, against an improving Pittsburgh pressure or they will get got. And so I wanted to go look that up uh, and do some research. Uh, the Rams, according to Football Outsiders, are third in the league in pass protection. That they're they're holding up Jared Goff. I think he's only been sacked 12 times this season. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with that uh, knowledge and take the Rams to do what they have to do to to hold up Jared Goff and to hold up uh, the entire offense and, and knock off the Steelers. It shouldn't take that much holding up to knock off the Steelers offensively because. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do offensively. James Conner is out again. Juju Smith-Schuster has a toe situation. He, If he plays, he may not be very effective. Not that it matters much because Mason Rudolph isn't going deep anyway because he can't. Uh, so it, it shouldn't take all that much for the Rams to cover this number and, and, and beat the Steelers. On Sunday Night Football, it is the Vikings and the Cowboys, which has the potential to be a real good one, a shootout. Uh, the six and three Vikings with their up and down helter skelter quarterback, uh, our guy, Mister, you like that, uh, is a three point dog. The cop out line, Minnesota plus three at the five and three Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we don't get this too often this year. You think about it, we don't really see the home cop out line when you've got two teams that are that are both pretty good that are playing each other. And and so it's it's refreshing. So a couple of tough road tests here 
uh, back-to-back weeks for the Vikings. They had to go to Kansas City, and they, they Matt Moore did what Matt Moore does, and and now they get to go play. Uh, now they get to go play the uh, the Cowboys. Um, very well-rounded Cowboys team. I mean, they they're they're good. Uh, I think the Cowboys tend to underachieve because I think they're horribly coached. Um, you know, no, Jason Garrett's never getting any coach of the year love, uh, and rightfully so. But in this spot, I, 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 I still don't like those corners right now, and they're banged up. Uh, so they both showed up on the injury report. Um, I, I, I don't like the situation with Adam Thielen not being there either. So I think that the Vikings, this is going to, I think this game is going to look a lot like that game last week. Um, where they went to Kansas City and they tried really hard and they're they're able to answer the scores, but I think in the end the Cowboys and the offense are just going to be a little bit too much. Um, it's a battle of two quarterbacks. I don't think either one of us have been are enamored with it all. I don't think that either one of us are going to be, you know, captain of the Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott fan club. So interesting matchup. <laughs> When you talk about quarterbacks, who I think are a little overhyped, and uh, one who's overpaid, and the other one who's angling to be overpaid, but I think at home on Sunday night, which God, watch that game on mute if you get the chance, <laughs> because oh man, that Sunday night crew—they love them some Cowboys, but I don't—I I think Minnesota comes up small here in the big spot. This is Kirk Cousins in prime time. This can't go well. I need to get that uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson drop. How about them Cowboys? Um, especially for the Sunday night telecast. Yeah, man, you get ready for the Jerry Jones uh, cutaway shots. Uh, him and his weird family up in their, in their private booth, and his his son-in-law cleaning his eyeglasses for him, and and massaging his dick and doing whatever else for him, and all that. Um, yeah, I, I thought you were going to make this one just as, as simple as you usually make it for the Vikings, which is, are they playing a team with a winning record? And the answer is yes. Check. Therefore, Check. <laughs> <laughs> you got one on me that earlier in the year on that, but it, it works. <laughs> Apparently, evidently. Um, yeah, injury news, you talked about Thielen missing uh, for the Vikings. Linval Joseph, their talented defensive tackle, will not be playing as well. That might be as big a deal because of who they're facing, because of uh, Ezekiel Elliott getting downhill and, and making mincemeat of the Vikings potentially uh, in this spot um, and putting more pressure on Kirk Cousins when you have the time of possession go the Cowboys' way. If you can stop the run, they're just going to keep grinding and keep running that clock. And then Kirk Cousins takes the field uh, – down in the scoreboard, uh, down on the scoreboard, and with time running out, and, and making him panic and maybe see ghost, and and yeah, that's that's got all sorts of bad potential written all over it. And you also pointed out the other big factor, which is how bad the Vikings defensive backs have been looking lately, and they should get uh, destroyed by Amari Cooper um, and and Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb and the Cowboys. Amari's got a knee, so uh, we'll see if he's uh, how effective he's going to be out there, but uh, I think Dak Prescott, he, he, you know, he has those games where he looks uh, worthy of, of the money that he's trying to, to to get. Most of the, my problem, of course, is most of the games he doesn't look worthy. Twelve of the sixteen games uh, in a year, he doesn't look worthy of that. Four of them he does, um, and and I, I got a feeling this will be one of those games. So I'll agree with you um, and take the Cowboys and give the three. 
Now for the main event of the weekend on Monday night, as always, you, man, when we were kids and the, the best game of the week was the Monday nighter, that was just, that was it right there. You, you ready for that Monday night game and you know, it's going to be a great one. You, you, you know, you're going to have to try to stay up because back when the Monday night game was, was a later start time as well, uh, eight o'clock central, nine o'clock Eastern. So you knew it was going to be a late night, but you knew if it was the, the best game of the week that it was worth staying up for it. You you were ready for it. So this is a little reminiscent of that, uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers. Uh, and reading the, the AP uh, write-up about the game uh, reminded me of what this rivalry was uh, recently, the past 10 years or so. When you talk about uh, Pete Carroll and, and Jim Harbaugh yeah. when he was there and, and them pointing at each other and what's your deal, what's your deal, um, and, and all of you know, all of that went away when uh, Jim Harbaugh left for, for Michigan and the, the, the 49ers turned into a joke for, for about a four- or five-year period there. But they're obviously back. They're undefeated. They're 8-0, the last undefeated team left. Um, and the, Seah- uh, the Seahawks are 7-2, and two, and right there, they're not going anywhere, and these two teams are going to be at the top of that division uh, the rest of the season. And you know Seattle wants to be the team to knock off the 49ers and end the undefeated record. Uh, Seattle at seven and two on the road as six and a half point underdogs at the eight and zero San Francisco 49ers. So this was the pick that I made the fastest this week. Ooh. So I mean I went through my picks, but this was one knowing that this was the game, knowing I had to make this pick that I'd had my mind made up about all week. Um, and that is obviously to take the Seahawks to go into San Francisco and just straight up win the game. Um, these wow. are the these are the kinds of spots that that Russell Wilson shows up for. He he has his clunkers, but those are usually like noon games in Cincinnati, or you know games that are buried on the schedule. You know he's playing and he's playing the Rams in an afternoon game, and no, nobody's really paying much attention. And Russell Wilson doesn't look very good, but for some reason, Pete Carroll, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson. They, they seem to thrive in these moments, so I expect this to be one of those Russell Wilson games. Uh, we get to see if Josh Gordon makes any impact or shows up at all for this game. He, he's rumored to possibly play. I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Um, I haven't seen him ruled out, um, but we'll see if that ends up being a factor in it at all. But uh, I like what he's been able to do with Lockett and Metcalf, and they don't have much of a running game, So it's been, it's been but, but we know the script, right? drive to the 40 yard line and take shots at the end zone. That that's what the, that's what they do. And it works for them. And we really get to see if the 49ers who are playing one of their toughest opponents now in a tough division rival, a game that should be close. So even if the, you know, six and a half still feels like a lot. So even if the, the Seahawks just don't win straight up, like I expect them to, I don't see San Francisco blowing their doors off. I, I don't think they're going to do what they did. Uh, Oh, God, was that Carolina a couple of weeks ago that they just put the 51 up on? Mm. I mean, you know, and we don't know. This is this is a young team, a young quarterback, uh, you know, head coach that doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience, and they're getting a Monday night football game in San Francisco. It's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, we're, we're, yes, we're it still has. Or if it hasn't been a while, it's meaningful. We haven't had a meaningful primetime game in San Francisco in a long time. 
And I think Seattle's a bad opponent to come in there. So I'm going to take the Seahawks. I've eaten up all your time, but I'm going to take the Seahawks just to win. No, that's all right. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely been a while for at least these two teams uh, that AP write-up said. This is the first time that both of these teams are playing each other over 500 since uh, Thanksgiving in 2014. Yeah. A long-ass time ago. Um, yeah, I don't need, really need to get into too much of what I love about this one because you covered a lot of it, and whatever I don't get to, I can get to in the after show. But uh, in addition to all that you've already said, that San Fran, a uh, little inexperienced, they're dealing with the albatross of being undefeated, they're dealing with it in a primetime spot, they're dealing with it at home, all that pressure. Also, on top of all that, uh, their best receiver is a tight end, George Kittle, and he's got a bad knee, and looks like he's not going to be out yeah. there. So take that into consideration, too. I also have Seattle to win straight up. More on our nice. after show when we come back. And now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, you, you covered a lot of the spots that I wanted to get to, but I definitely wanted to bring up the fact uh, that George Kittle's got a bad knee. And I understand that Emmanuel Sanders has come on and, and uh, taken over the sort of He's possession been, receiver role. Yeah, but that's, he seems to be like their third down guy. It's like you yeah. see Garoppolo when he has that option on third down. I noticed that in the last game when they played uh, the Cardinals, even though the Cardinals got the cheap cover. I noticed that when Garoppolo got to third downs, he was only going to one or two guys. It was Kittle or it was Sanders, and that was it. Yeah, but over the last couple of years, uh, Kittle's been their best receiver. It's still George Kittle uh, as far as I'm concerned. And all I've been reading uh, on on Roto World all week is that it's not getting better and that it looks pretty bad. And uh, Kyle Shanahan has been vague about it and saying there's stuff in there and, you know, whatever the hell that means. Um, But, yeah, it it looks like if I had to guess, he's not going to play on on this Monday night game. And that's why I'm surprised the spread is still as big as it is because uh, I'm kind of wondering what people think is going to happen in this game. Do they think – uh, Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman are going to like run all over Seattle or how, how do they think they're going to uh, get this done uh, without George Kittle out there um, stretching the field basically. So I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about uh, all of that. This is a Russell Wilson game. This is what he lives for. He's been uh, uber efficient and, and very good all season anyway. And this would just be, uh, a perfect way to continue that. And yeah, he's going to come out and uh, be looking for, for blood. Uh, the Niners, uh, very similar to the Patriots. I want to be consistent about this. Uh, they're putting up some incredible statistics against some really shitty competition. And this is not a, a shitty team, the, the, the Seahawks. This is a, a much better uh, step up in competition and it's a division rival and the Seahawks are going to be up for this. You know, they are. Um, and this is a P. Carroll type game as well. This is the type of game where he goes swaggering off the field, chewing his gum, and everybody's talking about how great uh, P. Carroll is, and they can't believe Seattle uh, pulled off that victory. So it, all of those same feelings that you have uh, as far as yeah. these two organizations right now. This feels like a Pete Carroll pumping his fist and yelling, woo, running off the field, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, and after this game, uh, the, the level of difficulty – 
uh, other than next week against Arizona, the level of difficulty drastically increases for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so we talked about that with the Patriots getting into a tougher chunk of their schedule um, once they started with that Baltimore game. But, yeah, you, you've got – let's see. These, these are the teams that the Niners still have left. The Packers um, – I missed them. There. The pack, the Ravens. So the Packers at the Ravens, at the Saints, mm. uh, the Falcons. That's not a tough game. Um, the Rams, and then um, they get the Seahawks again. That's five yeah. not very easy opponents to yeah. finish up down the stretch here. So we could very easily we'll we'll find out real quick about the the realness or fakeness of the San Francisco 49ers, just as we're starting to find out and to see things about the Patriots because the Patriots are into the, the, the meteor part of their schedule now as well. That's absolutely right. Uh, both of those teams I've, I've been looking forward to when they get to th- this part of their schedule. Cause I've, I've had a lot of paper champion feeling about both of them. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the 49ers ranking number one, in pass defense in all yeah. of the NFL right now uh, with Richard, with, with 45 year old Richard Sherman leading the way uh, for all those uh, young kids. And I'm just, I just, I, I don't see that keeping up. I'm sorry. I, as, as much as I respect them and what they've been doing, yeah. that's just, uh, they're not, they're not going to be number one at the end of the year. I'm just going to make that bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we got the Patriots who come out of their bye and get the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Texans and the chiefs. Yipes. So, yeah. yeah, that's an improvement over the the Redskins and the and the Jets and some of the other terrible teams they've been playing. So I don't know I uh, don't know how much I want to go after show here tonight because my my throat is like I could rip my throat out of my head right now. It hurts. Um, I completely understand. And, and so if you, unless you had something. I've had a tiring week myself. No, I can't think of of, of anything I really uh, wanted to get to uh, that, that that's pressing right now. Um, you know, we got the the baseball awards haven't come out yet, but that's uh, coming up in the in the in the future. Um, and basketball season is just starting. I, I don't have any uh, prepared statements about it, but I, I the 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 thing here in Memphis that's made the news uh, ever since yesterday is I don't know how much you had heard about this, but their number one, uh, the, the basketball team, the college basketball team, the Memphis Tigers, Yeah, their uh, top recruit is named James Wiseman. He's a, like a 7-1 center who's got, you know, skills and in, in a, in a jump shot, a three-point jumper, and looks like he can really dominate. Uh, but you know how the uh, NCAA is about anybody that's any good going anywhere other than you know, the big universities, uh, Kansas or Duke or Carolina, uh, immediately they have to say, hey, wait a minute, they didn't go to one of those schools? There must be something wrong. There must be a violation. They nailed James Wiseman yesterday. This came out right around uh, the time that I got home from work, that they said that because the Memphis basketball coach, Penny Hardaway, was – the coach of James Wiseman in high school before Penny Hardaway got this job uh, at, at, at university, at university of Memphis, they said, because he financially assisted 
James Wiseman's move from Nashville to Memphis in high school before Penny, again, before Penny was ever coach of, of the Memphis Tigers. Because Penny had given some money to the university back in the day, like literally 10 years ago, that made him a booster for life, like forever. He is considered a Memphis booster because once upon a time, he gave some money to the University of Memphis. Therefore, as a booster, he could not help James Wiseman move in high school. And now that he's coaching him in college, he's ruled ineligible. That is some of the biggest bullshit you could ever imagine. If if Mike Krzyzewski helped some recruit move in high school or something, uh, there's no way in hell they would declare the guy ineligible to play for Duke University. That's just uh, – it's one of those things I understand – uh, Memphis has a persecution complex in general, and we think everybody's out to get us. But that's just one of those things. I can't imagine that they pull that with a program that they actually respect. And and it's pretty obvious they don't respect uh, University of Memphis. Uh, the 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 turn that nobody saw coming is like literally minutes after it was announced that James Wiseman was declared ineligible. The University of Memphis released a statement that said James Wiseman is going to play tonight. Uh, oh. They got they they went out to Shelby County out here and got some judge like off the golf course and had him immediately make some sort of ruling or injunction that uh, made that decision to make him ineligible. It, it it they put a stay on that decision and legally in court they got that. Uh, held up in court and said, no, he's going to play. He's, he's eligible to play right now while we get all this ironed out. Uh, and they intend to iron it out and make it so that he's going to be eligible. So that was a different wrinkle that I, I, I respect because usually these schools, when they get big time by the NCAA and, and someone gets declared ineligible, they just kind of get all demure and say, oh, we're, we're sorry, there was something that happened and we'll, we'll try to not have that happen in the future um, and we'll do the best that we can by, by the university and by the student athlete and blah, 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 bullshit. And University of Memphis said, fuck all y'all. We're not getting pushed around. This is our kid. This is our number one recruit. He's being projected to be drafted number one uh, in the NBA draft next next year. And this is their chance to be uh, a big-time uh, uh, basketball program. And if you suspend this kid and, and make him ineligible, then the season is basically over. And they, they, they're they basically saying, uh, I, I guess they're kind of remembering the Derrick Rose situation where they played the, the, the year out and everybody knew that he didn't pass his exams to get into school. Somebody took his test for him. I, I think everybody knew that. And they just played anyway. And they came within uh, – uh, a Mario Chalmers three by Kansas of, of winning the national championship. Um, and if we had a basketball hall of infamy, Mario Chalmers would be in there for that incredible shot that he made to send that game to overtime. But anyway, they're remembering that and they're saying, Hey, we played the whole year with Derrick Rose that year. And everybody knew he was doing all these violations and, and we didn't care because we got Derrick Rose and not going to come back for his sophomore year. Everybody knows that. And we're going to use him while we have him. And they're doing the same thing right now with James Wiseman. They're like, fuck this. We're going to use this kid and, and do what we got to – because we got him here now. We're not going to – because think about it. You you play that game with the NCAA and you let them uh, declare him ineligible, and then 20 games later they get all of it cleared up and say, okay, everything's fine. You can go back and play now. Meanwhile, you're 10-10 and 10 on the season because you lost your best player, and you're fucked, and you're not going to make the tournament, 
and you're going to be sitting there in the NIT with the number one player in the country. That, that That's bullshit. So they just said, you know, we're going to go out and, and play him anyway. So that was that was a fun night last night uh, that they played the kid that had been just declared ineligible. Um, and he put up like 19 and nine and they literally beat UIC by, I think, 50 points. Like they just completely waxed him. So this year is going to be, and it, it, it feels like it's a turnaround, you know, with the NCAA making these, these rulings about, uh, you know, how California is saying, you know, no matter what, any college kid, is going to be allowed in the near future legally to make money off of his face and, and his likeness and completely against the NCAA rules. And California is like, we don't give a fuck. This is what's going to happen. So all of a sudden the NCAA now is like, uh, on second thought, uh, yeah, we're going to do that too. Yeah. The, the kids are going to be allowed to make money off their, their face and likeness from now, which they had to do because all these other states are going to follow suit and just completely make the NCAA completely irrelevant which I was kind of looking forward to, but they had to do what they had to do. Uh, so this feels like it, it's sort of turning around where the NCAA is getting uh, put in its place and people are realizing, you know what? You guys are just a big cartel. You're like the Olympics. Uh, the, the, you're all about making money for yourselves and you don't actually give a damn about the players or, or about anybody else that's doing anything. Uh, we're just gonna, We're just going to ignore your rulings and, and we're going to do what we think is best for, for our program and for our situation. And if you don't like it, then, you know, go kick rocks. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard anything about that story. I mean, so I've, I've been feeling very disconnected from things, but not a big college basketball guy either. And obviously this is relative for you because this is, this is the city you live. I mean, this is your area now, you know, so, and that's big news. And, Hey, I, I, I respect the team for saying, you know what, to hell with it. We're going to play this kid. We did nothing wrong happen. They went and they made it legal. They got the judge to give you know, some kind of an injunction, right? So yeah. good for them, you know, and go let the kid play. Because, no, the situation as you described it to me, that's complete and utter garbage. <laughs> you know, I, helped, move I, helped, I helped you. I helped you move. <laughs> that doesn't suddenly, like, years down the road. <laughs> something, you know, ineligible. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah. It's a little like Penny Hardaway helped this kid move up with the understanding. That it doesn't, you know, there will, come on. You know, someday I'm going to be the coach at University of Memphis, even though there's no rumors or no path to that or anything. You know, it, 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 right. he had no idea he was going to be coaching Memphis someday. And, and you know. And the kid happens to come along once he gets that job. Using that logic, any assistance that anybody gives any kid before he becomes a head coach at a university, you can go back in their past and their history and say, you bought that kid a ham sandwich back when you weren't coaching this college. But now that you're coaching this college and this kid happens to come in and play for you, we're going to go back and see that one day you fed him and gave him a ham sandwich. And we're going to say that was an improper benefit, even though neither one of you were anywhere near this campus. That's bullshit. No, I agree with you on, I agree with you on that one. That, that is like, there's no way you could go back. Yeah. Like you go back in anybody's past and find something. Right. Try to make them ineligible for something or go back or find some stupid Twitter post. Right. You know, six years ago, you, you said that kid had a good jumper. That, that was an improper, uh, you tamper. Scouting trip. <laughs> yes. You tamper. tampering with him. 
<laughs> wow. Oh, so yeah. That's, that's yeah. I was I was right in the middle of all that yesterday when I when I was uh, watching it on TV. So that's why uh, it was relevant to me. But yeah, that's what that's what they're talking about here in, in Memphis, definitely. Uh, sports stories and like, that's a huge deal. Memphis doesn't have a you know, I was gonna say Memphis doesn't have a pro team. They have the Grizzlies, so I guess yeah. they really have a pro team. Um, yeah, they kind of have a pro team. They they do, but you know, Memphis is a a sports t- starved town, and they're very they love their Tigers down there, right? They definitely love their Tigers. They love them. So uh, I can definitely remember, you know, spending time a lot of time down south before Memphis had a a professional sports franchise. And they were definitely, definitely in love with their University of Memphis, or back then Memphis State, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, before they dropped the state, <laughs> they were just. And they, and they especially loved this particular team because of all the the recruits, and not just Wiseman, but a lot of yeah. other. Uh, and they're good. They're, they're well ranked, huh? They're number. Are they number one or what? what I mean, are they, no, they're they're like fourteen right now. That's still um, pretty good. But, you, you you beat people's ass by fifty. You're gonna keep moving up. So yeah, they're they're yeah. they're right in they're right in the mix. Yeah, I actually watched um, a large majority um, in between doing my work today of the uh, LSU Alabama game. You know what? I've been working so hard. I don't know what happened in that game. That's, oh, that, that's uh, my whole. That's, that's my sports wow. Uh, LSU won. Okay. Uh, I believe it was. 46 to 41. Oh, wow. I would yeah. have, uh, if I were to bet, I was, I was, I would have taken LSU and given the touchdown. Cause I know that the, the Tua kid, uh, is, is hurt for, for Alabama. He played, did he play? He oh, played, he did? Tua played. Yeah. Tua played. Um, but yeah, LSU ended up winning. Uh, they had gone way up. They were up 33 to 13, I believe at one oh. point. Oh, and then Alabama just, you know, furiously came back, got it close. Um, but every time Alabama would get it to a, a one-score game, LSU would score again. And then mm. Alabama got the last score, and then uh, LSU just ran the clock out. Yeah, I was very interested in that game. It just, I just got busy at work and then busy after I got home from work. So didn't have anything, I, any knowledge of that. I highlight that because that's a momentous thing for me watching college football at all. Right. But yeah, when I, you have the number two and the number three team in the country and it's a huge game like that, um, you watch that. But the sad part of it is, is college football gives you that so rarely. Right. Um, which is why I, I just have so much trouble watching college sports. That's why the only thing worth watching for college basketball is the, the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I just college football. College football needs a, a better system because I don't need to see, you know, a, a number one team playing Towson State. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't necessarily like that either. But I understand, you know, you want the the warm ups, you want the the, yeah. the cupcakes to get your kids ready. That part is actually not so bad for me. I just hate the uh, idea. I think the the thing I hate most about college football is the idea that you can have a school that goes undefeated and completely destroys everybody in its path, 
But if it's not one of those chosen schools, it's going to be ignored for purposes of giving it a legit shot at a national title. Like uh, if you're was a Central Florida a few years ago and you go 12-0 and 0 and you destroy everybody just because you happen to not be in the, the Big East or the SEC or whatever, um, you're, you're just dismissed outright. You don't even get a chance to play for the national title. You should get a chance. I, I understand they didn't beat the, the type of teams that Alabama beat or the type of teams that Ohio State beat. But still, there's got to be some system where by virtue of destroying everybody in your division, everybody that you played that year, you at least get a chance at, at, the, at the actual championship, at the national title. They deserve right. a chance. That, that's what I want. No, I'm with you there. Um, but, oh, sorry. I'm starting to get a little hoarse. Uh, that's that's not good. That's probably a cue. Yep, probably. All right. Uh, so week 11 coming up next week. We'll see if there's still any undefeated teams or if the Seahawks knock off the 49ers, which we both are on record as picking, although we didn't lock up the, the point spread. It's a lot of points for an underdog, and we got the underdog winning, but didn't didn't take it as a lock. Well, you know, it's one of those little things. You can't lock them all up. You've tried. You tried that a few shows ago. <laughs> I wish I could take about four locks in one week and then take the next three weeks off. Sometimes I wish I could do that. Uh, but no, that's not how we operate around here. So getting ready for week 11 next week and everybody enjoy your football tomorrow and especially Monday, the, the main event on Monday nights. Like, like I said, I'm excited when the best game is on Monday. That's, that's always a treat for me. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening and joining our football party. And we'll be back next Saturday. Same time, hopefully, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern. Or, in much less detail, the podcast recapping Week 10 and picking Week 11 as the season rolls on in the NFL. Enjoy your football and talk to you next weekend. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.